0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. I am back from vacation, which I obviously planned around uh, doing the podcast. Would never miss an episode, of course. And... Well, did I miss any good anime while I was out? What is Well, it's
1: time to get back to work. It's back to the anime minds for you. <laughs> what Jill. is
0: vacation? Uh well, it's a thing where you don't work for a couple of days. It's a very that's concept. And then what
2: then what the Pinkertons come after you and
0: yeah, something like that. <laughs> and
2: then after you come back from your
1: vacation, you realize, "Oh god, I need a vacation from yeah, my vacation." I'm
0: trying not to think too hard about like tomorrow I'm recording on Sunday and tomorrow I'm going back to work. I'm trying not to think too hard about that. But, um... Yeah. So, anime. What, what's I have no idea what's going on. I did watch... <laughs> I did watch my bare minimum uh, Call of the Night in Lycoris Recoil. But, <laughs> uh
3: You know. Well. Look, we're all moving on from Japanese cartoons and have started playing British video games. So. One,
1: one could say that what we want out of this season is something a bit meaty.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have, to, we, we have to break out of the Endless now. Uh,
0: uh. Uh, well, uh, I don't want to interrupt any... Uh, I'm assuming this is all referencing Xenoblade uh-huh. Chronicles 3, which has also come out at some point. Out
1: now for Nintendo no Switch. switch.
0: Um, I, I will want... At some point, I do want to hear all of your worst British accents. But, oh my uh,
2: goodness. Let's let's, None int- will let's be intru- as bad as ones in the game, and by bad I mean good. Let,
0: let, let's introduce everybody first. Uh, I'm Jell, and we are joined by Iro. I'm I'm not dead yet. C- can you say that British though?
2: <laughs> uh, I'm not dead yet.
0: <laughs> okay, we also have G.
1: I'm gonna cheat by quoting the character that doesn't have a British (laughs) accent, and say, I'm the guy with the gal. (laughs) Give me some of that sweet ether. (laughs) I love that. God, her specific delivery of that one line is... Oh, man, some of those Uh, lines. So
0: so there are some token Americans uh, in there. So, yeah.
1: apparently, this is a Xenoblade 2 thing, is that in Xenoblade 2, the way they distinguished between, like, some of the races in Xenoblade 2, is some would have British accents, and others would have American accents.
0: Okay. Yes. Very foreign and exotic American accents.
1: Yes, the, uh-huh. the foreign American accent. Yeah. <laughs> and, now in this uh... game, there are even
0: people
3: with Australian accents. Whoa. Whoa.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, we're really going all
0: out this time. <laughs> uh... And as, as you've just heard, we are joined by Aqua <laughs> on this episode. Uh, you hear that Noah Lance wants something a bit meatier. <laughs> Can't do that. I already
3: referenced well, that. Line. Look,
1: to come up with a new I- one. Oh.
0: That's good. No, that's it's fine. It's fine. But uh, it. I mean, it sounds like that game is pretty good.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's enjoying it.
1: It's a. It's a return to form for the venerated Xenoblade <laughs> franchise.
0: Because was 2 two was like the gotcha one, right? Yeah. 2 was the anime one.
1: <laughs> where they fully embraced being an anime garbage JRPG. Yes. Uh, and 3 is where they embraced becoming the type of anime garbage JRPG that I love. <laughs> right.
3: Yeah. Uh, I mean... Look at this! Uh, look at it from the, from this perspective. Like <laughs> the best way to tell them apart is that in like the first hour of Xenoblade Two, there you're just an average schlub, and then there's a big girl with big boobs, and she falls out of the sky, and she becomes hopelessly devoted to you, and Ooh. the entire game is about your everlasting bond with her, her and also her split personality who is a tsundere uh, yeah. and then xenoblade 3 the first hour is literally yo we are like child soldiers in a war or a life you like starship yes. and we're also go- we're also like in the bath together boys and girls and we don't make an issue out of it because we're like not brainwashed by stupid teenage anime poison
2: and there's like instead they're brainwashed to not know what sex is yes again aqua do you like (laughs) starship (laughs) troopers
0: uh uh, well um, no, it's
1: it's really i mean it's i think the thing is like i mean i think a lot of the praise are xenoblade 3 i don't want to call it like hyperbolic or anything but i think it is very outspoken i think because i think in a lot of ways Xenoblade Three kind of represents like a weird triumph in this specific type of JRPG. Yes. Like this is not necessarily going to be the JRPG that transcends borders and genre, mm-hmm. right? It's not. It's not that. But what it is is an unbelievably competent execution of a very familiar style of this experience. Right. Right. It feels. It feels very
3: much like classic era of JRPGs. Like, I would even dare to compare it to something like Final Fantasy VI. Like...
1: I mean, I would say, down to the mechanics, <laughs> for better or worse, Xenoblade <laughs> 3 feels like a PS2 JRPG that just happens to be on a piece of hardware that is marginally more powerful than PS2. Yes. <laughs> It's a yeah. PS2
0: game running on a PS3. Uh, <laughs>
1: oh, that's generous to the Swiss. Uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> hmm. yeah. Well, Look, at well, least it, at least it runs
2: perfectly smoothly. <laughs> most uh, most most of I the will time,
1: say, you could you can see the adaptive resolution at work anytime time it rains. <laughs> yes, like anytime you are unlucky enough to be in a cut a, 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 a an, an in-game cutscene while it is raining. Right. Oh yeah. And like suddenly. It looks like you're playing this shit on the 32X or something. <laughs> <laughs> or when yeah. you
3: fast travel to a location and you're like, Hey, it's suspiciously empty around here. And then it takes like a minute for the NPCs to spawn in. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, like, it's it, it speaks to the game that, like, in spite of any of those, like, quibbles we have, it's, it's a fundamentally solid experience.
0: Yeah. Sounds like good times.
3: And it has the best kind of writing and localization, in that <laughs> it's not necessarily, like well-written, but it's just intensely quotable and memeable.
1: I mean, that is the thing. Like, Xenoblade 3 feels like the first post-social media Xenoblade (laughs) in the ways that, like, for example, Yakuza 0 found success because of, you know, places like Twitter were able to amplify the most, like, memorable moments. Yeah, totally. Like like I've got so many...
0: Yeah. Like, they're trying to say water. Uh, water.
4: <laughs>
0: I've got uh, so look, many... Look, man, are you someone who pronounces it shot.
3: water? Are you someone who pronounces it w-a- or are you someone who water. pronounces it water? Yeah. That's the most <laughs> important, like, not binary, but trinary, I guess? <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah, well, yep. so- sounds like good times. Uh... I, I have no Xenoblade experience, but that one is the first time. Hmm. I was like, I kind of want to try that game. Hang yeah. on,
2: Cockney elf <laughs> party member. Would you call her an elf? Uh, she was kind of an elf equivalent. Yeah, the high NTR are like elf
3: equivalents.
1: Alright, sure, sure. Fair enough. Because to be fair, there are characters in that game with actual points, Right, to be yes. Sure.
3: But I mean, the the high end are obviously elves. You know, they are the elevated yes, race. Yes. They they Elf re- they rule. They live for a very long time. They, they are sure, cultured. They do like,
2: magic.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's. I guess move on and talk about some actual anime. Let's press uh,
3: on and, and on and on. Oh we have gosh. quite a
0: few things, uh, different things to talk about this uh, episode. And maybe we'll start with uh, G, you saw the new Dragon Ball movie uh, yes, yesterday. Yes,
1: I saw yeah. the very well named Dragon Ball Super colon, Superhero. <laughs> Say that again Dragon Ball Super Superhero.
2: Super, oh, man. Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, how how was that?
2: Uh, it was good. It was
1: solid. Oh, yeah? Um, mm-hmm. I actually came away from it. Uh, f- again, I will admit, I I think for me, and that you know, as an American Dragon Ball fan who, me, which means I primarily grew up with Dragon Ball Z, and Dragon Ball was a thing I became familiar with after the fact. I think I was always going to go into a movie like this with somewhat tempered expectations because I kind of knew just based on the trailers that this was not going to be, you know, the the type of Dragon Ball movie that I was looking for. You mm-hmm. know, that would be Brawly, the previous right. Dragon Ball movie, uh, which was just, you know, 80 minutes of m- meaty men just punching each <laughs> right. other. Right, <laughs> right. You know, but... um. I think Super works within the, the type of story it's trying to tell, which is, it is an inherently goofier adventure. Um, it is, you know, it feels a little bit more Dragon Ball, right? I mean, the plot is even Dragon Ball adjacent, right? It is about the revival of the Red I mean, Dragon World.
2: Ball as opposed to Dragon Ball
1: Z. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, yeah. You know, <laughs> yes. When I say Dragon Ball with no letter attached to the end, uh, assume I am talking about the original uh, uh, manga slash anime adventure. Right. Uh, about uh, Son Goku and Bulma and this fucking pig. But um, <laughs> yeah, no. I I uh, I had a pretty good time with it. I think I think it acquits itself well. Like once you accept like what kind of story it is going to be. Right. Um, I think that, uh, the CG is, it's, it's noticeable all the way through. Like, there's never really a moment in that movie where you, like, almost get fooled into not noticing it. It's, it's not quite there yet, you know? We, we, we are still, we are still figuring out the technology. But I do think there's still some pretty big, flashy moments. Uh, I think it is fun to have a movie that is not just... Purely focused on Goku and Vegeta, right? The movie is primarily focused on Piccolo and Gohan. Okay, and sort of sounds good know, to me. Their struggle against the villain of the of the movie, <laughs> the yes. actual uh,
0: the actual best dad in. Uh... Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, and the thing is, like, this movie actually does a fairly good job of poking fun at that and acknowledging that, like. In a lot of ways, Piccolo is Gohan's real dad. They ask Piccolo right.
2: to babysit Pan, not Goku. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, I you
0: know, definitely, movie... I definitely trust Piccolo more to yes,
1: babysit. The movie <laughs> literally does, in fact, open with Piccolo babysitting Pan, <laughs> right. right? And then later, like getting. Also, this is a movie in which Piccolo owns a cell
4: phone,
2: which is that's hilarious that's to me. Yeah, I, th- I thought his wild. ears Just... were good enough to hear anything on the earth.
1: It's low key, extremely <laughs> funny. Well, here's the thing: they sort of do a play okay, on that. All where, like right. Piccolo is like levitating and like meditating on a fucking like mountain yeah, uh-huh. as he does, and like a-, a hundred miles away is his cell phone, <laughs> which is ringing. He just goes <laughs> so like, he just like when Ugh, your phone is it. across the
2: room, right? He
1: has to fly all the way back to pick up the cell phone.
0: <laughs> That's pretty good.
1: Um. You know, it literally opens with, like, Videl, like, calling Piccolo and be like, oh, shoot, I'm really sorry, something came up, and I can't pick up Pan, can you go do it for me? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and Piccolo's like, uh... where the fuck is Gohan? <laughs> right. And, like, I thought she had a second parent, <laughs> and, like, she's like, oh, but Gohan's just so busy being a salary yeah, man these days, or, you know, a, a scholar or whatever.
2: whatever, uh, right.
1: Yeah, exactly, and... Have you know, your green like, grandpa like, pick you up from school. You know, Videl is like, well, how about I get you a really nice snack to eat? And Piccolo's like, how many times do <laughs> I need to tell you people the Mechians don't <laughs> eat They don't food. eat, yeah.
2: They survive yeah. on sunlight or whatever.
1: And so, yeah, it's, it's, mm. it's, it's, a, it's, it's that kind of movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's having fun with the years and years of Dragon Ball. Sure, Like, in a lot of ways, you know, you know, I would say thematically the movie is more about piccolo but when it comes to the action scenes themselves gohan is probably the one who shines more okay but the thing i think they do well with piccolo in that movie is like it is sort of a celebration of Piccolo's legacy as, like, this weirdo, right. like, once enemy, now ally, who has, like, a dozen random powers because <laughs> Toriyama just kept giving Piccolo new powers because right. he didn't know what else to do with the character. Exactly. Like, there is literally a moment towards the climax of the movie where Krillin, who, you know was there to witness the climactic battle between King Piccolo and Gohan in the world Tenkaichi. Mm, Goku, yeah, where yeah. Krillin is like, Piccolo, don't you
4: remember <laughs> you turn big? what you
2: did? And <laughs> Piccolo's like, Huh. I guess you're right. Oh yeah. yeah I can't do that. He <laughs> <laughs> did do a bunch of weird-ass shit back in the day. Um, turn big. And the last thing
1: i the last thing I say, which I will not spoil, because I think this is actually the one moment in the movie that I think they really do cash in all their chips. Okay. There is a thing that happens at the very end of the movie. There is something that Gohan does at the very end of the movie hmm. that kind of had me a little misty-eyed as a DBZ fan. Okay. Because okay. it is the... Some could say that what Gohan does at the end of this movie is the culmination of Dragon Ball recognizing who Gohan sees as his true father figure. Okay.
2: Okay, don't and, do not do uh, not I've... confirm or deny what I'm about to say, but this is what immediately popped into my mind when you when you said that. What? Is we, we do a, a reversal of when Napa fired the energy blast at Gohan and Piccolo jumps in the way and said somebody's shooting energy blast at Piccolo and Gohan jumps in the way. Do not do no not, yeah, do not confirm that nor deny. Be... Okay. Yeah, no, Look, does someone will, at me, some will... point say
3: he may have been your father, but I'm your daddy. <laughs>
4: Uh, not quite,
1: but yeah. but there is a lot of Piccolo is the dad who stepped up energy <laughs> right, in this movie. Right,
0: right. Well, th- this can't be the only time they've resurrected the Red Ribbon Army, right?
1: No, it's not. No, the- multiple movies. Okay, have done I was this. gonna say I-, I I
2: feel like we've <laughs> done oh, those that many assholes time, are all over point. the place.
1: No, the the only the only like weird thing I would say like that this does slightly different is like. They reveal that Dr. Gero had a grandson. Oh, okay. Okay. And that
2: apparently. Isn't that an Android 21 thing? So, this is the thing I gotta ask
1: you, Iro, if you know about his son, like. Android (laughs) 16? Yeah, Yeah, okay, because they show Dr. Gero's family tree, and
2: his son is Android 16. Because that that was plot stuff that they established in Fighters, is my understanding. That Android 16 is like an Astro Boy to Dr. Geroi's Right, that was, yeah. it has to be the yeah. Astro Boy thing, right? Because mm-hmm.
1: it's, Android 16 is fully robotic. Yes. He's not yeah. actually uh-huh. an Android like 17 and 18. So, okay.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Hey, Android so, 21's real popular. I, yeah, Maker no. canon, why apparently not?
1: Doc- apparently Dr. Geroi has a god-tier dick game <laughs> because <laughs> Dr. Geroi, who is this, like, horrible, wrinkly, yeah, of, yeah, psycho, crone yeah. of a man, managed to lay pipe with, like, maybe the second or third hottest <laughs> Dragon Ball character.
0: Uh. Wait, who's number one?
1: It's 18. Oh, yeah,
0: true. Understandable, that's oh, fair. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I'm not gonna argue with that one. Alright, well, <laughs> that sounds fun. Uh, I have to catch it up, because I... It's, it
1: is fun! It is fun! I have to I catch up, because I, th- I think the I...
0: only... The, 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 I only saw, like, the first super movie... Uh, that which was a...
2: No, there was one before no, that, which, with, uh...
1: Beerus? Oh, Battle yes. of Gods or whatever. Yeah, There's the Battle yeah, of Gods. There was
2: Resurrection F, and then there's. Was... See, but though, not, yeah, n- those were not super brand. Those were still Z branded. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. were they? Were they? Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. So then maybe I haven't seen the super ones then, but. Uh, yeah, I'll have to catch up at some point. I'm sure it'll appear on streaming or something at some point here. It's Dragon Ball, so.
1: Yeah. No. I. I yeah. I guess you know my 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 capstone of this would just be say that like you know. If you if you like Dragon Ball, like, or if you can appreciate all of the facets of Dragon Ball, both the Z-oriented fighting stuff, but also the Dragon Ball, you know, comical adventure stuff. Mm-hmm. I think superhero broadly justifies its runtime.
4: Cool? Yeah,
0: sounds good. All right, well, let's uh, move along to uh, a couple other things we have on here now that we're on the topic of shows made for seven
3: years old. Yes,
0: well, I get yes, in a way, exactly. in a way, perhaps we could have included that, uh, so while we, <laughs> while we have... Uh, I mean,
1: multiple of these properties are all owned
2: by Toei. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Superhero
2: time block, I mean... Yeah. So while,
4: while,
0: while we have uh, one of our... Uh, one of our Toku experts here uh, on the panel, <laughs> mm-hmm. with Aqua joining us... It's not too it's bad not of a number. Uh, <laughs> time for some Super sort of kids show uh, time, <laughs> Hooray! Well, because this first uh, one
3: is not for kids. Whoa. Yeah, so <laughs> we,
0: we we kind of, we, we mentioned last time we were going to talk about Futo Pi, which came out a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. Yes, sort of a mid-season yeah. drop. And uh, Futo Pi, of course, is, is a anime, but it is a continuation yeah, of yeah. the
3: Common Rider series. Yeah. It's a sequel yes. to uh, Kamen Rider Double, which was the Kamen Rider series that aired in uh, 2011. Um so 2011? yeah, 2011? I, I think so, yes. Uh, 2010, 2011, something like that. Um, and it is based on a manga continuation that was started a couple years ago by the original author of Kamen Rider Double, uh, who is Rico Sancho. Who uh, was originally a mangaka. He started out as uh, the mangaka of, amongst others, uh, Dragon Quest: The Adventure of Dai. Uh, they then brought him in to do *Kamen Rider Double*, and now he's sort of like going back to manga to uh, to pen a continuation, which is now mm-hmm. getting an, uh, an anime adaptation.
2: I don't, I don't believe he drew any of those manga, but. He no, he did double. not. He uh, yeah. he's a
3: writer. Yes, yeah,
4: yeah.
2: And
3: so *Futo Pi* is basically it just picks up where. Um, Kamen Rider Double left off. So Kamen Rider Double's whole idea was that it was sort of like a send-up of noir detective kind of stories, but at the level of uh, for kids, of course. So our main hero is this uh, this uh, Shotaro Hidari, who is a private detective who fancies himself a hard-boiled cool guy you know he wears the <laughs> waistcoat he wears the fedora but he's actually just kind of like a blowhard idiot and he uh, works together with his partner who is a boy slash guy named philip uh, named after philip Marlowe. Uh, and philip is basically human google so he is uh, he has the special ability to tap into the consciousness of the earth and can basically know all of history as long as he has certain leads to follow. So the entire story is usually about a monster is attacking and they need to find out what the true identity of the monster is. Because in Grand Commoner Rider tradition, the monsters are always humans uh, transforming into monsters. Uh, in this case, with a special kind of like drugs... Called Gaia memories, which are being spread uh, throughout the city by uh, by dangerous dealers. So they always need to identify, you know, oh, which which type of monster are we dealing with here? Who is behind it, and how can we stop them? You know, that's what most of the main mysteries are about. And, and this show actually sort of perfectly mirrors that idea. There's always, you know, a monster attacking. They need to hunt down some clue so that Philip gets enough leads to go on, so he can like sort of dive into his mind palace and uh, and uh, figure out the, the the true identity of the monster and how to stop it. And in that way, it's actually it does a pretty good job. Like it it, it perfectly mirrors the sort of structure of the original show it sort of mirrors the the character dynamics even though it's all sort of kind of a bit flatter it's a bit duller and that has to do with the medium right because the original show was a tokusatsu show for children which was means it has a lot of like slapstick it had a lot of overacting it had these actors giving them all they're they're all to like do their most exaggerated goofy faces and clownish poses that they could come up with and in anime it's all just a bit more serious a bit more yeah like they have some of the edges filed off you know it's all a bit nicer and neater but as a result it's not as charming as it is in in live action
1: Uh, but now now there's boom. yes yeah but now we got we got tits right so it makes so they try to make up
3: for that by making this uh aimed at a more mature audience (coughs) and in that way in some way that makes sense because the original show aired aired 10 years 10 years ago but on the other way it's like more mature in like the most annoying least thought out way possible as in there's a character with big boobies, and they, they they bounce every time she walks, and oh, she's a she's a femme fatale because she she takes a bath in the public fountain, and she's such a she's such a seductress, she's so and she has my, yeah mysterious powers, and and it's just kind of like babies first.
4: Ooh, mature. Okay, so then
1: I I, I gotta ask that, right? Is like. There is an obvious comparison here. What is? Why is it? Why is it not working in PI, But these exact sorts of
2: descriptions are what gives Garo its appeal. <laughs> um, <laughs> Garo was always, I think, meant to be like this sort of dumb, edgy thing. Yes, from the beginning, whereas like Common Rider is still sort of for seven-year-olds. Yes, and, so... and the
3: thing is, in Garo, everyone is a character who is
0: cool and edgy, <laughs> whereas in Kamen Rider,
3: they're all dorks. And then there's also
0: hot booby femme fatale lady. Mm, so like, I it see. doesn't
3: really work. Right, right. Even no. even
0: like the I mean, if if G, if you're referring to the Garo anime, I'm assuming <laughs> the original Garo like live action is still like.
3: Oh like no that, no Garo live or... action is also like late night tv with like we got these right. AV actresses with their boobs out like right yeah <laughs> i mean original tv garo is also quote unquote mature like not for right. children
2: yeah. so i will right. point out that like when this manga first started, the seven-year-olds who were watching Kamen or Double would have been 13 oh, or 14. Oh, they're, they're now yes, adults. And therefore... Right. Yes. So not adults, even adults, but 13 or 14. And therefore, the perfect target audience for... The prime age for... Right? Oh, yes. she's, she's got the boobs. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. it is egregious. Yes. So, <laughs> holy shit. It's, it's
3: comical. So, like... The weird thing with like the femme fatale character tokime is is she's like a character they're setting up to be despised by the fan base be- because of several reasons like first of all she is clearly a like blatant attempt to make the show horny uh, mm. which is something that not many people will appreciate i guess and otherwise also like she's also clearly being set up as like the new assistant for the main character even though that entire original show like was Based on the dynamic between Shotaro and Philip, with all of the, you know, vibes that uh, we usually Uh associate uh with anime about intense relationships between two hot men. So, it's clear they don't really know what to do with Tokime, because... She's supposed to be the femme fatale, but otherwise she's also supposed to be sort of like, oh, she doesn't know anything about the world, and she's trying so hard to help Shotaro being a detective. So she has to be, like, all kinds of characters in one, mm-hmm. and when push yeah. comes to shove, they still prefer having Shotaro and Philip around, because these are, of course, the original characters that people love, and they're also the, the, the characters who have to solve every case, because they are common Rider. So it is. It's a bit of a weird situation, but that doesn't make so, the show frustrating. I think it's still pretty interesting or and entertaining to watch.
0: So is it is it even worth watching if you have no none of the comic writers? That's writer tough context? to say.
3: That's tough to say.
0: Like they're clearly
3: putting in a lot of effort to make it a very cinematic show. You know, it's well-directed. It has enormous production values. The Common Rider fights look great. Like, as soon as we saw this anime uh, announcement, we immediately were immediately like, oh yeah, okay, sure, but Kamen is going to be CG. But he's not. He's hand-animated. Everything's hand-animated. So it's,
1: Yeah, I- I've seen some clips. Yeah. It's, it's pretty slick. It looks
3: yeah. pretty damn good. On the other hand there are constant references to the show and not just to the show's premise but to the entire show like there are events bit characters from the show who show up again there are like victims of the week who show up again there are references to the entire plot of the original show and in a way it is easy to get someone into futopia because you can just say oh you know he's a pseudo hardball detective he's a human google together they turn into a robot guy who fights things and they fight evil drugs that turn people into monsters like that's the show but on the other hand like on the micro textual level there are a lot of assumptions that you are intimately familiar with the original show in futopia which makes it very weird to have this licensed because the original common writer double was never licensed (laughs) right the only way to watch it is through Less than legal means. I think right. they have the first
2: like so. two episodes on their YouTube channel or something. Yes.
3: Yeah, yeah. But that's it. Like
2: Yeah. Hmm. I'll say as, as somebody who does not watch *Common Writer Rider Double, but has watched other Common Riders and who watches the show with two people who have watched Common Rider yes. Double. I've been I've been enjoying it so far. Yeah. Okay. But I think I think my favorite thing about the show is actually like how the backgrounds are still totally just all of the same stock <laughs> locations in Tokyo where they filmed this shit just anime-ified. They just drew them, them.
0: Yeah. Right, yes. I'd go like, oh,
2: it's that one overpass, it's that, that one that's, plaza. That's pretty good. It's definitely that shows that up in every place. single Kamen yeah. Rider show, yeah. Or just every five well. weeks we're having another fight here. Uh, and I think that's yeah. funny. That is pretty good. But that's not like... Alright. Well, you know, that, that's not an indicator of quality storytelling yeah. or anything, either.
0: I mean, but at
3: some point, Taku is such a monolithic thing that at that point that kind of stuff becomes, like, perfectly valid as, like, an appeal for a show,
0: I guess. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <Okay>. Speaking of... <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Common Rider, I figured now might be a good time to yeah. sneak this in as well. Oh boy, uh, oh boy. So... So this is uh, Kamen common rider common writer revice. Yes, the
3: the current actual, you know, common writer. I believe the final
2: episode aired today.
3: (laughs) Yes. So this is basically our our like time to do the wrap up on this show. Um, this was a bad one, right? This was a bad one. I didn't like it. Yeah. So where are we at this point? We're sort of in like a denouement after the finale. Yes. Um This show's pacing is all over the place, right? Because, uh, like, for the last 20 episodes, every, like, two or three episodes, we've been a point of, like, oh, this is it, right? This is the end. And then it just keeps going. Um, But, like, a couple of episodes ago, they finally defeated the big bad, uh, Lord Gif, Lord of the Demons, who is an incredibly boring guy who looks like a huge vagina with teeth. Um they sure. they kicked him and then the show uh, as predicted just kept going and so in the meantime all sorts of stuff has happened like the the, the like science guy uh, had a very random villainous turn right. where he like became a common writer himself and kicked everyone's ass and then it was like oh no Science guy, you're just doing this because you're sad about your dad, whom you hate and had never met before the start of this show, died in a pointless sacrifice.
2: And he says, wow, you're right. I'll be good again. And then he stops being
3: bad, and in the next episode they're buddies again. (laughs) (laughs) And now, the final arc they're doing, which does seem to be the final, final arc, because this week's episode is the last episode, episode, one episode left, yeah is about how the main character has been losing his memories so every time he transforms into common rider by sort of merging with his demon who is this very annoying guy sidekick, uh, yeah. sidekick doing the japanese equivalent of a black cent um and hmm. like the idea is that, like, he loses more memories of the people he loves every time he transforms, which is uh, sort of, it doesn't come out of nowhere, because they, like, point at it often, but there is no, like, discernible reason given for why it happens only to him, and not to any of the other common writers. <laughs> and also it is displayed by uh, him fading from pictures... It, oh, of course! It's That's just
2: classic. a sort of like poorly constructed plot device to add tension, and yeah, like, yeah, and it's like they knew they needed more tension, so they brought yes. this in. Except yeah. it never was used to add tension. Right. Until it the was just last sort of there. Episodes, until it, these like yeah. last two episodes, there's like, oh, we probably need to do something about uh, this, and they oh, so they tried so to be tie like, it.
0: Uh, <laughs> So we like like chorus recoil. Oh, we'll yeah. talk about that later. They sort of try uh, to tie
2: it into yeah.
3: the show's whole theme of like family and and familial bonds are important. And this ends in a, this, a twist that I actually don't find bad on principle. So the idea is that the demon body is like. Okay, so it's my fault that he's losing all of his precious memories. So he's like, I'm gonna pretend to have turned evil, like to have turned. I was, like, ah, was an evil demon all along, and I'm attacking and killing people. So main character has to kill me, and that will like make his memories go come back somehow. And that is not a bad twist in say to have like your final battle be like a tragic fight between your two main characters. But as with everything in this show, it is so poorly set up, and at this point, after like fifty episodes, you just don't care about these characters enough to yeah. regard yeah. this battle with the kind of intensity that they clearly wanted to uh, to look at. Huh. Yeah. So, Commodore Revise, always a show that didn't really know what it wanted. It just they just kept writing it as they went along.
0: Yeah, it didn't sound like they had a. didn't sound like they had a master plan on that. No, one. and as a result, you have like a lot of stuff happening, but also
3: nothing happening. Always at the same time, it's just. It is very yeah. clear that at this point, the Common Rider sh- franchise has become. You know, it used to be, monster of the week. You know, you had your Common Rider every week. There was a monster. He fought the monster. But it has become very obvious in 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 recent years that they don't have the money. To make a monster costume anymore. <laughs> so I they would rather make week. more common rider costumes because Those they can sell toys. toys based on yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And so the entire premise of the show becomes common riders fighting other common riders. And then they have to awkwardly contrive and contort the plot in such directions to justify different common riders fighting each other. Right. Even though they are somewhat all supposed to be good guys.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and this is not an inherently bad thing when like, no. the show is constructed around... Right. It. Such like...
3: as the, the upcoming *Common Rider show, *Common Rider Geats, has a premise that is spe- specifically made so that it allows for *Common Riders fighting each other. It's like a battle royale kind of situation. But in right. Revise, it just doesn't work. And it just results in the same people fighting each other over and over again. To the point right. where you have episodes where two characters just listen, literally like arrange to meet up in a backlot somewhere so they can fight, and then the fight goes undecided for some reason or another. And so with the next episode they have to meet up again.
2: Right. It's just like <laughs> to keep like increasingly thin reasons for everyone to yeah. be in conflict yeah. and. To the point where, after the main conflict is resolved, we have another fucking six episodes of increasingly thin reasons for there to be more conflict. Yes. So, it is clear that they had no
3: master plan. They just wrote stuff. Like, there was a character who died, but then he was popular, so they brought him back, but then they didn't know what to do with him anymore because they killed him off because they didn't need him anymore. So, like, that kind of stuff. All of that, like... All of those telltale signs of a show that is just being written on the fly
0: are on full display here. Yeah. That uh, <laughs> doesn't sound encouraging, because no. I mean, no, uh, it's not. It's like, don't watch, how are they gonna, don't
2: watch Cover I Don't watch Cover
0: You know, like how are they going to change that? Like, I mean, if that, if it, if if they're truly being governed by external factors and right. not trying to write a good story, then like, right. it sounds like that could just continue, but
3: i would say that every once in a while a writer comes around who makes the new status quo work like they always have to make certain changes because of the declining popularity of the show and lower and lower budgets and then you have this kind of limbo period until eventually someone comes around and realizes the hand he's been dealt and manages to make something out of that so in a way it always fixes itself but it is about due time for it to fix itself because Common Rider <laughs> has been abysmal for the last two years. Yeah,
0: uh,
4: I do right. have
3: to give one quick shout out to one of the spinoffs we watched. Um, uh, another thing with Common Rider is the worse a Common Rider show is, the more spinoffs they'll give in. So Revise has like a bunch of stupid spinoffs, but one of them is like one where they have all of the like girl characters from the like previous ten Common Rider shows teaming up. and that's actually quite fun because it's directed by koichi sakamoto who is like the good action choreographer they have okay who's also a huge pervert so whenever is anything happens with like the girl characters he's usually the director they bring in so he can make them all wear shorts or leather pants and make them do high kicks and stuff like that (laughs) but the thing with sakamoto is like he's a very good action choreographer so he, he he's so good that he actually like at some point seems to realize that like he would rather shoot straight action rather than Toku. So <laughs> usually when Sakamoto is in charge, most of the fights will be just the human actors doing like your your Jackie Chan choreographies rather than the, the sum- costumes and yeah. the CGI and the explosions. So... Right, right. Yeah.
0: Okay. But yeah, That's it's fun to see the, some uh... old characters again in that spin off. Like I just made me think of the mom one they did a couple years. Yes. ago. Right? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. But all right. Well, um, not I done guess yet. We'll we'll see how the <laughs> not battle done uh... yet.
2: Oh, <laughs> what else? Okay. What else airs in superhero time block, guys?
3: What airs else in su- it is Precure. Um, precure. What, what is
0: the I didn't catch the full title.
2: The full title of of this
3: uh, season of Precure (laughs) is uh, Delicious Party Precure. Uh, Delicious Party Precure. And so Zig and I have gotten really into Precure lately uh, because we were like, hey, we like Super Sentai and we like, you know, classic Magical Girl stuff and you barely get that anymore because all the Magical Girl anime nowadays is either like the, Like mecha adjacent stuff like Symphogear, Gear or like dark and edgy reconstruction deconstructions, uh,
0: or, and then you have or Precure. Or bringing back old shows like right. uh, Tokyo Mew, Mew this season, yes, right?
3: yes. So Precure is basically just Super Sentai as an anime, like <laughs> it has the same sort of like dynamic where all of the characters share half a brain cell. Um, and this season is Delicious Party Precure, and it is basically. Set in a world, like, what if Yu-Gi-Oh, but food?
0: So... Uh, Like, (laughs) with cards, or just
4: food? (laughs) No, food. Like, food is the
3: most important thing in the universe, right? It is the only thing people talk about. Food is the only sort of... It's like the thing the entire economy of Mm -hmm. this city runs on.
2: Yakita Japan.
3: Yes. And so the bad guys are, like, evil... Phantom thieves, kind of thing, and their whole thing is like, we're gonna steal the taste of all the good food. Oh. So, in every episode, they will try to like catch a a, a, a recipe pee, which is like a fairy that re- represents a certain kind of food. No, we're we're into some real kid show. Uh, yes, <laughs> and if they catch that recipe pee, then that particular kind of food will lose all of its flavor. And this is, of course, yeah. an unspeakable evil that needs to be stopped. Uh, and course. that's where the precursors come in, and um, it's basically a, a like I don't know if we ever talked about the last precure show on the uh, on the podcast, but this one is basically the same idea. You know, you have your characters who are lovable goofs. They get up in some sort. They end up in some sort of slice of life situation, like, oh no, we have been inv- in, in like invented, uh, invited to a fancy restaurant, and we need to learn adequate, uh, and things like that. And then a villain shows up. He steals the food of the flavor of the food, and then the Precursors beat him up. Um, so the most recent sort of story arc we've had is the one that introduced the extra Precure, because like in Power Rangers, where there's always mm-hmm, a 6th mm-hmm. Ranger, you have an extra Precure, in this
0: case bring a 4th Precure, and she is like, pre- sorry? Bring in the green Precure. Right, right, right.
3: Yeah. And we've had that arc. Um, so that's always fun, because it introduces a new member to the crew that sort of like spices up the... the, the the dynamic a little bit right uh, but another fun thing about uh, this uh, year's season is that there is actually a sort of like tuxedo mask kind of guy as in like a magical boy but not really like legally distinct
0: from a Precure but male shows up and does nothing
3: and leaves yes who just shows up and like shoots one beam at the monster and then is like my job here is done but you didn't do anything <laughs> yes exactly. Um, and the guy is literally going through an arc where he's like am i just getting in the way <laughs> which that, is a pretty, uh, pretty funny indeed yeah. but yes it's a it's a fun like cute Inoffensive little show. As usual with these kinds of shows, like mascots are the best characters because they're like stupid tiny anime animals that think they are hot shit but are really just useless. Right. Um it's like any possible cliche you can imagine is there,
0: but it is executed in a a, a, a fun and, and lovely way, so Do you I still would definitely get, like the the like random ridiculously well animated uh, yes absolutely scene. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah 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 the fight scenes can still be
3: i mean because the thing with Precure is like normally you would associate magical girls with like you know we shoot beams or glitter at, at monsters but precure has always been we just kick and punch the monsters right we actually just fight the monsters <laughs> yes <laughs> so that usually leads to some uh to some pretty uh fun uh situations there's still a lot of stock footage of course, like. Their finisher is like they have a blender that turns into a gun. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. I mean, I, I I would expect to have canned footage of the finisher. Right, right. Yes.
3: The monsters sure. are always like two kitchen utensils randomly combined into one horrible monstrosity. You know, it's that kind of, like, charming <laughs> I stuff. I to fight a
0: killer spork. Something uh, like that, yes. Yeah.
3: Like, and it, right. it will literally be like a spork with an evil face and arms and legs. Like, Sure. <laughs> it's just all that right. kind of show where if you want, you know, like a comfy blanket of, like, I know exactly what this is going to be. Right. And you like this dynamic of, like, we're fighting evil, but we are also all dumbasses then this is definitely the kind of show that you uh, would be interested in I guess right
0: okay yep
3: well um going to have right. to keep listening to my lovely voice here <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i i guess i Oh well, we have one more thing we wanted to have you talk about Aqua because <laughs> right. somehow you are still watching. Still new uh,
2: shows coming out, baby. Yeah, uh,
0: lo- Love Live, Love Live Superstar. This being the second season of Superstar, but the second I, season I of went, the fourth season. Yes, yes, the second second season season. <laughs> season four two or something yeah like, or like season yeah. three and a half because the thing with
3: love life is kind of weird like I think this is technically oh the third mainline love series right you
0: had you had like the battle royale one yeah then the Nishikizaki
3: right. school Idol club something is like a right. side spin-off side story kind of thing but uh
1: truly the engine that
3: never yes. dies so uh, why am I still watching this good question um <laughs> no the answer is I've starting to see love life as a sort of interesting exam um an interesting case study in writing theory okay
1: because oh no he's at that stage of being a fan i mean (laughs) if you've if you've
3: read my love life coverage you know i've always been in this stage yes yes um but the thing is love life is just the same show over and over and over again you know it is Uh, They constantly reuse the same episodic plots, they constantly reuse the same character archetypes, they constantly reuse the same jokes. And as a result, this show is sort of like Frankenstein together out of things we've seen before in other Love Life shows. Like, for example, the main characters are basically all... Reincarnations of characters <laughs> you've seen in previous Love Life okay, shows, hold on. not literally, okay, but okay, like, okay, okay. not literally—they died. But just like, oh, you know, how much fun would that be? Though? though, yeah,
0: yeah,
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> like,
1: like, how much fun would it be like, oh, sorry, the 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 entire cast of Love Life superstar. I don't know, like. Season
4: one,
0: the,
2: the prior
1: season becomes
2: Iketosen, but Love Live like, <laughs> right just died in a horrible like freak freak
1: stage accident, accident yeah. or something. Yeah. The lifestyle, um, <laughs> there, yeah, the pyrotechnics went right. off too early, and they were all immolated immediately. <laughs> Their spirits yeah. were transferred to another to oh another God. generation of uh, yeah. But,
3: no, unfortunately, it's not that. It's just more like okay. oh. You know, you have your very specific stereotypes like the girl who has a lot of talent. The one who really loves idols and wants to be an idol. The hyper-competent one who's just sort of going along because she's good friends with the other ones. The, like, gremlin who is a sucker for fame. Like, all of these archetypes just come back in every single season. But the thing is, with every subsequent season, they pull these things off slightly better.
4: Okay. And as
3: a result, I just sort of want to see where they keep going and when it will eventually become an actually good show. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: are, are, you sure, are you sure this isn't like Stockholm Syndrome? Opera, like, <laughs> probably. Uh...
3: I mean, the thing with Love <laughs> Life is always that it, it has the sort of thing, thing that Like Horus Recoil has going on that it is a bad show that is very well made. Like, right. it, it, it looks good. The character, like, the. The moment-to-moment character interactions are pretty good. The jokes land. Like, this is this is Juki Hanada. He knows what he does. The thing is just that what he does or what he is made to do in here is not necessarily something that appeals to me. But the thing is, there's always stuff to like in these episodes, which is what keeps me coming back. And it's especially interesting just because I very critically evaluated the second season, Love, Life, Sunshine, for the blog. It's interesting to see this now and basically see them do that same plot, but, oh, it's better. Or, oh, they added a bit more nuance here. Or, oh, they they toned right. down some of the excessive drama here. And that makes it an interesting watch for me personally, at least. You're seeing progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, for so, example... Th- like, does that, So does that mean Love Live is now the best it's ever been? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. For what it's Interesting. worth. Uh,
3: for what it's Interesting. worth. So uh, an example is like one of the recent episodes I watched is a, a classic Love Live episode where there is a girl who wants to join the idol group, but she's not confident. And she has a good friend who decides to join the idol group in her stead in order to convince... the the first girl, the shy girl, to, you know, join up as well, even though the friend doesn't really want to become an idol. You know, that's a plot they've done in every single show, I think. And they've done it here again, but yet again, they have filed off some of the drama, some of the, like, annoying, oh, being an idol is the best thing in the universe. They've added some more jokes, and as a result, I've come across with something that is a lot more likable, than back when they did that plot in love life sunshine for example right um then there is one thing i do have to point out um i've just watched episode five of uh, this new season so the thing is the original the first season of love life superstar one of the big reasons why i thought it was better than all of the other love life i've seen before is that it had only five main characters now usually it's nine You know, it's the gacha game thing, you know, there's a girl for everyone, Um, but in this one, it was only five, which as a result led, of course, to more character development, more fleshing out for all of these characters. And then for season two, they announced that they were going to add four more girls to bring it to the total of nine, which is like the holy uh. number for Love Life, which they actually point out in the show.
2: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
3: Like, oh, all we have nine, nine, We characters. have nine members now. Nine is the legendary number. All of the legendary oh, idol right, groups had cause the nine previous, members.
0: Right, because the previous groups are seen as like legend, legends yes. of the game, yes. right? Like yes. that they're
3: trying yes. to aspire to. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh no, they're going to make all the same mistakes again, but. It's relatively manageable so far. So in episode 5, they introduce the last new member. Uh, and as is tradition with Love Life, as is everything, the final member they add is always a comic relief character. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and her whole thing is, she hustles. Oh, Okay. So, oh no! She has the Sigma grind set. She, uh, oh so she's basically you know, obsessed with money. She works a bunch of like part time gigs. She invests in the stock market, and she's how also much, uh, how much crypto
4: has she bought? Uh, uh, no
3: crypto references yet. Okay,
4: but there is like
3: one like goofy bit in like an early episode where she's like in the background freaking out because the decay is in the red. Jesus. Right. So. <clears throat> yes uh, and it's especially funny that they constantly dunk on th- dunk on this girl for having the like grind set when this is also the show that did an entire episode about oh no actually waking up at four in the morning to go run 10 kilometers before school is good actually like so double standard <sighs> in anime you know where have we seen it before but the cool thing about this character is and this is one of the... The the, the, the the positive evolutions is love life has finally learned to give characters an edge, make characters unsympathetic right. For example, they introduce a rival in this new season who is just straight up bitch. Like, all of the other rivals in Love Life before have been Pokemon rivals. And then you know, like, Oh, you know, I'll be rooting for you. Yeah, we'll be rooting for you too. Let's all do our best and and, and drive mm -hmm. each other to the top. And this girl is just like, Wow, you guys are what I'm going up against? Whoa, I'm going to win this with my hands tied
0: behind my back if you guys were the competition. I I mean, what are are the odds they're going to reverse that at some point? I mean, of course they are. Yeah, she'll join the group by the end. No, she's not joining the group.
2: Demon King, Piccolo... (laughs) <laughs> you know, it, it took a while, but it look, good. Look, incremental
3: progress. Incremental
0: progress. Uh, at least for now, right? Yeah. So the thing with this
3: new girl, the hustle girl, is that she is basically trying to scam the group. <laughs> she like goes up to them and be like, hey, you know, you guys need a, like, a PR representative. You know, someone who can like give you internet cloud. You know what? Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, film yeah. you and I'll edit all your videos and mm. I'll upload it to YouTube. And they're like, yeah, but we, we can't afford that that, and she'll be like, no, 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 I'll work for you for exposure, you know, as long as I get Uh all the royalty income from the videos, you don't have to pay me anything.
4: Uh
3: uh (laughs) So, the entire episode is just basically about her trying to scam them and being a greedy piece of shit, and she doesn't really get better by the end, (laughs) so, it's fun to see Love Life introducing the, like, comical, unsympathetic, like, scumbag character. (laughs) Right. (laughs)
0: okay she's also an
3: influencer so that makes her immediately hateable that's true yeah that's that's hard it's hard to reverse that yeah but uh but yeah once again weird that love life would dunk on influencers seeing that idols are kind of basically the same thing but
0: whatever Post up those post up your YouTube videos with the reaction faces and the thumbnails, which for some reason is one very specifically that drives me crazy. I mean, that is um, literally
3: like they, they show her YouTube feed and all of her like video thumbnails are like wacky face, I fucking hate yeah, YouTube, yes,
2: actually.
0: That's <laughs> that's like I for some reason that one particular thing drives me wild. Um, yeah, uh, you see it everywhere. Yep, and all that, right. wrap, that wraps
3: up 1 hour of me talking about bad shows <laughs> I'm watching <laughs> about uh, about just kidding. yeah. <laughs> but uh oh wait, hey. there was a very good gag oh, in goodness. the last episode that I do need to talk to you about. Um okay. so the the joke is you see like two of the girls are talking to each other outside of an apartment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all of a sudden a like basket drops down on a rope. Right. And you see them both, like, raising their hands, and they're holding cards, and they put two cards into the, the basket, and it goes up again. Uh-huh. And then they continue their conversation. <laughs>
4: yes.
3: And then, like, a minute later, one of the other girls comes out on the balcony of the building, and is like, Oh, sorry, my room is too small to have all of you in there, but you guys are okay playing cards with us, right? So they're, the whole thing is that they're playing cards, but two of them can't be there. So they have to, like, lower down a basket so they can put their cards in that. And then the end of the joke is that the other girls who are in the room discover a Nintendo Switch there and just start playing Fortune Street and ignore the other two.
2: Mm. (sighs) Of course they play Fortune Street, they gotta hustle.
3: Yeah, they gotta hustle.
2: Gotta go into the in-game stock market so Slime from Dragon Quest can get his dividend. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Anyway... Well, thank you, Aqua, for catching us up on all those children's shows. Gee, I'm sure I'm happy to do not edit this podcast at all. (laughs) I'm sure... I'm not sure I would put Love Live in a kid show uh, category.
2: Speaking of shows shows (laughs) with kids... um, Yeah. Yes, let's talk about
0: some shows with children. Yeah, let's... let's, We'll get into our regularly (sighs) scheduled anime talk here. And... uh, well, let's talk about *Made in Abyss*, the golden city of the scorching sun, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll just let us talk. Indeed, oh I'll just mention, you know, Content I tapped warning. out of this show before even this, I, even watching the movies. That's apparently, weird. Artemis tapped out after this one of these recent episodes
3: understandable. <laughs> for understandable
2: reasons, if you know her situation. <laughs> so if and you know, uh, this is show, I need that, don't even need that much. I think anyone is justified. Apparently, in,
0: yeah. apparently, some things went down in these past. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, so I think for the sake of this podcast, I think we need to put like a big spoiler warning. Yeah. Okay. That, you know, like we're we are not going to be able to talk about these episodes of Made in Abyss without actually getting into yes. the nitty gritty. Yes. So yes. yeah, I don't know. Gel, put a marker uh-huh. down here. Like, slash uh, Spoiler warning. Yeah, everybody. Know. You, know, you know, know,
4: spoiler
0: warning. I I'll, I will I'll buyer beware. I'll timestamp like before sets. the the spoiler warning Whoa-oh. here. Yes. yes.
1: All right. So yeah. Uh, Baby stew? Huh. <laughs> Uh, Okay, look, first, as a quick recap, uh, since, Uh you know, we also have Jell here who has not been watching Made in Abyss. uh, Just a quick recap, right, is that, you know, Rico, Reg, and Nanachi have arrived in the Town of Hollows, right? Which is a settlement that has somehow managed to survive in the sixth layer of the Abyss. Uh, We are aware that there is something about their, you know... It is, a, it is a classic village with a dark yep. secret. Uh, the village is magical in its nature, in the way it can enforce its concept of barter and yes. value. And we are introduced to Faputa, a character who is sort of referenced as the Princess of the Hollows. Yep. Uh, who, for state reasons unstated until now, has a sort of... A a, a, a a seething feud with the village.
3: But it's also like worshipped as a goddess, as the embodiment
1: of yes. value. Like The very embodiment of value. Any
3: part of her is the most
1: valuable
3: thing in the town. It can be traded for exactly. basically anything. Yes.
1: And so with these le- uh, latest two episodes, seven and eight... Hmm. Uh, we have a character named Vueko who was uh, one of the original Delvers right. of the Abyss uh, with, th- that was seen in the R- flashback. Rikuiko went
2: exploring and found Vueco locked up in a pit for God knows how yes. long. Yes. And pulled her
1: out. And it is here in these two episodes where she gives us the explanation of the origins of the village. And, you know, not to necessarily sum it all up, but basically you know they came to the sixth layer uh they immediately realized it was super fucked down here mm-hmm. uh tried to go back up that definitely doesn't work <laughs> uh so they're left with no recourse but to s- sort of eke out a living here on the sixth layer and for many reasons this Like, more than just, like, you know, big monsters, the the fundamental physics of the sixth layer are, like, actively hostile (laughs) to human life. Like, in every way possible, you know? Uh, Even, you know, and the way this is most emblematic of is even the water they drink is actively killing them and mutating the members of the ganja tribe. Basically, like, melting their limbs and, like, rehardening them into these sort of, like, fungaloid growths.
3: One thing that is, I think, important that we do need to point out because before we go further is that the Ganja tribe, like, this this, this, this party of explorers from a long time ago, they were all outcasts. You know, they were misfits, yes. people who did not belong. Uh, Veko, for example, was cast out and sent on this suicide mission, basically, because she is barren. You know, she can't get children. And, and and along the way, they uh, pick up a little girl who's like a member of a tribe that lives in one of the lower uh, uh, one of the higher layers of the abyss, uh, named Irimui, who has been cast out for the same reason and also because she she can't have children. So she tags along, yes, and she sort of joins them in uh, in mm-hmm. trying to make a life for themselves on the sixth layer.
1: And and it is important to understand within the context of the story, right? Is that while, mm-hmm. f- for Vueko, like, being being barren is one aspect of who she is, but it is not necessarily the, like, She's been through a primary of of th- other stuff, identifier right? of who she is. However, in contrast, Erie right. is, like, a small uh, child, right? Not only is she a small child, but... She clearly glorifies motherhood right. mm-hmm. and thus her inability to be a mother, right? Uh, impacts her greatly
2: mentally right. and emotionally. I'm, well, I meant to get I was like, because she is young, like, and this is the reason why she was cast out, like, it is her, her like defining, you know, like thing that she thinks about constantly.
1: In, in her conception,
2: this is her original, right, exactly. Sin. Yeah, like.
1: Anyways, this all sort of culminates in the members of the tribe discovering a relic. You know, as we know, many uh, abyss dwellers descend into the abyss to find relics, which are mysterious artifacts with often supernatural Mm -hmm. uh, effects and capabilities. And in this layer, they
3: basically grow on trees.
4: (laughs) Yes,
1: yes. And and we find one that is known as the Cradle of Wishes, uh, which is a sort of orange glass egg that is capable of granting wishes to the one who holds it. However, we are informed by the reg-like automatons on this layer that uh, this artifact tends to not uh, work well with adults because adults are known as uh, motley and complicated (laughs) uh, individuals, right? Uh, Adults have motley wishes. Mm -hmm. They're often... Stained by their years of existence and experience and their knowledge, and thus we are informed that the cradle works best with children who have simple, primal mm-hmm. desires. Yeah. And so, uh, as this disease ravishes the, the Ganja tribe, mm-hmm. right, their numbers are dropping. This disease is killing them. You know, in a sort of last-ditch effort for survival they give the egg to Irimui in hopes that she as a child will wish for everything to be okay. Literally something, yeah. anything to save them. Um, so, Irimui takes the egg, and she is cured of the disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, seemingly, she is no longer susceptible to its effects. But also, her body begins to mutate. Um the best way I would describe it is she starts to sprout like a fungus or a tree. Mm-hmm. Um and it is here that we find out the contents of Irimui's wish. And if you, if our description of her character mm-hmm. wasn't enough foreshadowing, right. her wish is essentially to be a mother. To be capable of bearing children. And, uh... We are introduced to the first of Iremui's stillborn children. Uh, a sort of rabbit-like right. She got creature. attached to
2: the, like, weird yeah. hermit crab bunny things on that layer, and so yes. her children look like that. These fuzzy little Except creatures. Except they are sort of they are sort of stillborn, like
1: incomplete beings, right? The implication is that they are, you know, they are, they are, they are organic creatures, yeah. but they do not have fully formed mouths, meat-shaped like creatures. Eyes. Yes, yes. Still alive, still moving, but not for long. Um. Yeah. Okay. That's. It is around here, mm-hmm. where um, and and. To be, to be clear, this emotionally destroys Irimui. That, mm-hmm. it, this is very much a dark twist to her wish, yeah. right? The, the wish-granting egg gave her the ability to give birth, but the wish-granting egg did not include the ability for those things she births to survive.
0: I'm assuming uh, this is all depicted in very graphic detail.
1: Uh. Yeah. It's very wet, yes. Yeah. It's not, it's not particularly slimy. Pleasant. And so this again, this this anguish it it, it, it destroys her. It it, mm-hmm. it 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 You know, this is one of those things where, you know, the anime it, what it lacks in the manga's details can make up in sound effects because Blah. um Irene Mui's voice <laughs> yeah. actress is very good at sounding like a nine year old child going through <laughs> the most gruesome anguish imaginable. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. It sounds exactly what that, like, what that sounds like. Yeah. Um. Anyways, the, episode 7 ends with Vueko finally succumbing to the disease, mm-hmm. uh, losing consciousness, and uh, later awakening, uh, her symptoms cured. And mm-hmm. uh, sort of woken up and escorted by Wazukiyan. Wazukiyan, is the leader of the expedition. Is the okay. leader of the expedition, he is sort of huh, I think half Nigel Thornberry, <laughs> half um cult leader. Oh my goodness! I guess.
4: Sure.
0: What if Nigel um, Thornberry was a cult leader? Sure.
1: Yes, like a man who is filled with a youthful exuberance. like lust for life and exuberance. Like it, it just comes out of him, right? He loves the novel. He. He is—he is instilled with a great want sense of wanderlust. Right. Uh, to him, exploring the abyss is the most natural thing to do in the world. It's right. exciting. Wazukian also has maybe the most insidious messiah <laughs> complex of any character in *Maiden of Abyss*. Mm-hmm. Right. Keep that in mind. Uh. So, episode 7 sort of ends with Wazukian cheerfully informing Veko that, good news, we've cured the disease, and also secured a consistent source of food oh, for the village. I can see
0: where this is going, and I don't yeah. like it.
2: Uh,
1: and yes, this is sort of where it is revealed in episode 8, that how the village survived how the village was formed in the sixth layer of the Abyss, is on the back of the wholesale slaughter and consumption of Irimui's children. Um, At this point in episode 8, she has morphed into this very upsetting... Blob um, thing, like... The best way I would describe her at this point is, you know those hills in Mario that have eyes on them?
0: Uh, y- you know
1: yeah. like the like the really dome shaped hills yeah uh with mm. the eyes uh think about like that but made of like human flesh mm. and just sort of like gaping and gasping and making what sort of sounds like human vocalizations constantly
2: as it constantly births increasingly larger like <laughs> things right dead things yes <laughs> Creatures,
1: um, the Irimui that Weko once knew and loved is, well, has become something very different by episode eight, and it is clear at this point—if it was not clear before—that her wish has been truly corrupted and twisted to something uh, uh, abominable. It, it is an affront to nature itself, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and yet this is how the village survives. There was no other cure to the disease but consuming Iremui's children. There was no way for this tribe to survive without her. And yet, the lengths to which this village goes to achieve that is... I mean, as, as we were alluding to, for many people, it is profane. It is far too much for many people uh, Vueko herself. Yep. Um, and it is here that we are then we then find out that uh Wazukyan, while Vueko was unconscious, gave Irimbui a second wish-granting egg. And it becomes immediately ambiguous whose wish was actually implanted into Irim Yui that second time around. Oh god. it uh, oh. did d- 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 because up until now the assumption was well Irim Yui is a horrifying birthing monster, but well if that's what she wished for, then I guess we should respect her wishes. Right. But the second egg suddenly has you wondering, hmm. Whose wish was that?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And
1: w- what the is <laughs> yeah. Is what was done to Iremui consensual?
0: Right. I mean, the the implications of that are way worse. Yes. Um, right.
2: Yes. And, so and she kind of morphs further, right? Yes,
1: into a great tree. The tree that is the village. Um, mm-hmm. We find out that that is the now, That is the now sort of catatonic body of Irimui yeah. herself Maybe or whatever like the, was entire left of her vi- the entire by the village the entire
2: village is inside of her shell basically
1: yes yes uh. and uh its inhabitants then subsumed by her in what i suppose could be described as the first balancing of village Irimui. we find out that the reason why everybody looks like a weirdo hollow in the village
4: mm-hmm.
1: is that again the the villagers venerate Irimui. She is the, their savior, and so they offer their corporeal bodies to her, and that is how everybody becomes the like it's messed up hollows yeah. that they are by the time, uh, Rico sees them. Right in in the current in the current anime uh, story of the anime. Right.
0: This all happened in the past, right? This yeah. Was, yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: Right. And so yeah, it's it's once again made in abyss. I think. As upsetting as all of this is, it once again does an almost immaculate job of expressing what I think is one of Made in Abyss's core themes, which is that, um, that I believe that I, I that I believe Made in Abyss believes is that unconditional love can transcend time, space, and form. That love mm-hmm. in the world of Maiden in Abyss, as we saw with in the ways that Mitty <laughs> saved Renacci, right. in the ways
2: that. Like, Um, Rico was even born and exists. (laughs) Was her mother's love for her, Or, in a darker
3: way, in the way that which Boundroot was able to turn Pruska into a get-out-of-the-abyss-free card, basically. Yes,
1: yes. Is that love is maybe the one thing that can transcend the Abyss. But, time and time again... Made in Abyss shows that bad people also understand this. Right. Like, most of the villains in Made in Abyss, even if they present themselves as sociopaths, actually have a distressingly good understanding of this dynamic. Right, and take take advantage of it. And continuously use it and exploit it for their own means. And it has happened once again here in the sixth layer, in maybe its most upsetting version yet. Uh, this is the thing Iroh and I have been wringing our hands mm-hmm. about for yeah. all season, is the reveal yeah. of the truth of the village. And <sighs> it can't be overstated just how just
4: how Yeah, like, it is.
1: Like,
0: it's it's disturbing <laughs> listening to, like, the kind of cold, hard fact explanation of it. I can only imagine when you add the actual, like, audiovisual experience of watching it, it's a lot worse, but... Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's. And uh, I guess it's. I guess it's always a question of like, is it worth it? <laughs> right.
1: So here's the thing. This, in, in a lot of ways, I mean, this is, it is almost using a flashback as a cudgel. Right. Right. But the episode sort of then concludes with the idea that Faputa is now on a warpath. Uh, yes. I, you know, we should actually review yes. the one last thing. Is that. Tree Iremui births one last child. And this one child is imbued with all of Iremui's latent resentment for the village. The constant grief of losing her children. Her children being consumed by these craven cowards who have the gall to worship her on a pedestal. All of these feelings are imbued into one final child. And that child is revealed to be mm-hmm. Fabuta the Hollow Princess.
2: Who has been trying and to find a way to destroy the village for God knows how long.
1: Yes. And it is sort of hinted at the end of these episodes that now that she has reconnected with Reg and his, like, super incinerator cannon, <laughs> that she now has the means to destroy the village once and for all. And using a flashback to explain a character's motivations is a very like well-worn you know, classic device. well-worn thing device in in manga or in fiction in general right and i don't know if i can say it's worth it but you come out of that flashback like immediately saying that like whatever foppito is about to do to this village is completely
4: just Right, because you get, like, like three, or, down. Three, three or so right.
2: episodes ago, like, you had Vuco being like, oh, yeah, I posed the... they threw him in that pit because I posed the creation of the village, but, well, maybe it's not so bad now, I guess, that all these people showed up who aren't involved, uh, and then you get the whole flashback, and, I don't know, at least I could not help but think, like, oh, this village is built on sin and should be destroyed, uh right regardless right. of its current state
1: uh yeah it's it's I mean it's just the thing that made in abyss has always been so good at is intertwining some truly upsetting imagery with some of the most evocative and interesting world building mm-hmm. yeah that I think anime can bring
0: yeah it it it's definitely feels like a complex discussion on whether or not that's the, the my question of is it worth it i, I right. feel like it's not a yes or no answer right like, mm-hmm. like there are <laughs> i think
1: it, it truly is like it will depend on you you know like your own tolerances and acceptance of right. the type of story that made an abyss is yeah and I would never blame anybody right. for like at any point, you know, even as far back as Rico and the whole and the arms stuff in season yeah. 1. I would never blame anybody at any point in the story just saying
0: Yeah, that that was like your warning sign, tap out now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where we're headed, right? But uh yeah. Yeah, no. I so so that if that that was the that was the big one you guys were waiting for, but yeah. uh yeah.
3: I guess just in some ways the whole idea of oh, this child turned into a birthing machine and we ate the babies to survive is so...
0: It's pretty its pretty messed up. Indescribably perverse.
3: It almost becomes meaningless.
0: Like your, 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 I mean, yes, your brain just goes numb to it yeah. at some point because it's so...
1: Right, like it's, you know... Uh, oh, as think, a defense mechanism, discord, your brain yeah, uh, kind right? of shuts is off. That yeah. like, is that like, you say the words baby soup and it's almost comical. Yeah. Like, it's, a, it's an aristocrat's yes. joke, right? right. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, friggin' wazu giving a speech about how the meat is mo- most effective at when curing fresh. the disease when it's yeah. fresh oh, God. as he's chopping up this baby. It's like, no, no, you're, you're not wrong, Aqua. I think, I, I do agree. I just, I guess for me, I think that I think they leverage the emotional stakes enough to right. still make it hit. I didn't like,
3: necessarily say that as a judgment on its quality. I more like said it as a... This did not traumatize me. <laughs> as right. A, it, like, fair enough.
4: Yeah. I, I, and,
0: and, and that is going to depend on <clears throat> the per, per person, right? Like, yeah, you right. know, me. I, I I don't, like... It is just, like, I, I'm I, the I kind don't, of
3: person who, like, watches something like this and my main emotional response is, oh, well, that's a very clever way to disturb the viewer while simultaneously <laughs> tying into the themes of the show. Yes, nothing Ooh. wrong with that. That yeah. is, like, my uh, reaction I think to fine, this. I think. And that's mostly my reaction to most things, so I'm used to it. But it is different than, like, for example, the first time Aiden Abyss did this with the arm mm-hmm. was more genuinely disturbing than this was.
1: This sure, was something there, there that was, was academically
3: argument... interesting to me, and that only makes sure, yes. me more excited to watch whatever happens next.
0: I, I mean, maybe the arm thing too is a little more attached to reality, where this is so right. fantastical, right? Yeah. but
1: right, yeah. No, I, I think I think that that is a totally fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like in some regards, you know, I think Tsukushi probably expects some of his audience to react that way because I mean, Rico is the one being told this story. Uh-huh. And she kind of just brushes. I mean, her eyes Rico like, wow, is, cool story. I'm. I'm yeah, not like, sure how to feel to about
3: Rico at this point, because she is just so completely impervious to any of the <laughs> horrible shit that happens to her that it sort of becomes I mean, I think, comical
1: in its own way. Like, <laughs> I mean, there, there, I feel like there's a bit of an implication, right? That like. I mean, this was exemplified with Wazukian in the, the in flashback. Is that who wants
2: to d- yeah. people
1: who desire to explore the abyss yeah. are inherently br- like crazy, broken people, mm-hmm. right? Like you know, of all like like of all the of all the characters in the show, most like Wazukian. It's probably Rico, yeah. right? Would, would Rico have made the same choice? I'm not sure, but she has the same yeah. mindset, right? <laughs> Yeah. So I think that to a certain extent, I think Tsukushi knowingly sort of crafts his story in a way where there will be people like me who are like, this is horrible. I gotta keep reading. <laughs> and then there are people like you, Akko, who are like, this is horrible. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think... The thing I'll say that I think is interesting is I was- I was curious if, like, this would be sort of a breaking point with the fan base Mm -hmm. as a whole, but it kind of sounds like a lot of people came away from this episode going, man, Made in Abyss' storytelling (laughs) is great.
3: I got the feeling this did barely (laughs) register, as opposed to, like, people are still memeing about Bondrood and stuff like that, but this is, like, this didn't really seem to make that big of an impact. Yeah, enough, <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't know. Maybe, I may maybe people were more ready
3: yeah,
0: for maybe. it than yeah, I gave them yeah. credit
1: for. But
0: yeah, I, I, mean, I, guess... I guess. I guess at this point, you know, is there anything that they could do that would be? Like I'm
2: also curious of
0: shocking at this point, based on what we've seen before. I mean... The thing is, I mean, like, can you escalate? Can you even escalate escalate beyond uh, baby? I agree. Stew? I, know, I but... agree
3: with what Zig always says, and that I expect Maiden Abyss going forward to become more abstract and more personal.
4: Mm. And in a
3: way, this arc has kind of been that. Like it's mm. be, it's been less. Oh, look at these horrible monsters that live here, and more of like almost like weirdly social-political in a way. And this little flashback was actually like a callback to the old Maiden Abyss. Hmm. Where you have, you know, the the explicit horror, whereas up until now, most of the stuff with the Village of the Hollows has been like also perverse and messed up, but like in a different way, in a sort of Right. Like, this is no longer, oh, look at that messed up thing. It's more like, oh my God, everything is corrupted and twisted, and right. I imagine that as they go further and further down, it's just going to be more and more of that. To the point where I just imagine that in like season four, we're just watching shapeless colors blending in on one another, and the characters oh, don't even awkward. look like the characters anymore. Like,
1: you think we're gonna get a season four? Yeah, no, made I mean, this? hypothetically, right? Yeah, so. We might not see, based on Sakushi's pacing of the manga, we might not see season three until, uh, optimistically, twenty twenty
3: seven. I'm just saying hypothetically, right? (laughs) Yes, yes, I know, I know. I'm just going to bring up
2: like on a lot of like the Netflix shows, for example. We've brought up the idea that watching things all at once or more quickly, sort of.
1: Ah, yes. Thank you for bringing this up.
2: The idea of like like, evens out its peaks and valleys, almost, like, and yes. sort of can... It
1: sort of homogenizes a little, a little the watching bit. And so, yeah.
2: I wonder, like, gee, you and I were reading the manga, and that flash, that whole flashback probably took place over something like four to nine months.
4: <laughs>
2: yes. Right. Yes, we, we
1: literally saw, like, mutated b- birthing machine... Iramui, and then just had to sort of sit with that imagery for like three months. Right. Yeah.
2: And so. So yeah. I'm. I wonder if like yeah, people watching the anime are like, "Oh man, uh, yeah, that was a lot." Uh. But it doesn't linger, yeah, yeah. right? Because it's
1: like. They they only have to think think about it for one week, right? (laughs) Yes, I I I definitely think that like the pacing of the story does have a very large impact on that. I think that I mean hell even made in abyss itself. I am glad it is still a weekly anime, right? Because I do think in a lot of ways seven and eight does there there does need to be a week between those episodes so that you can sort of like yes. (laughs) Sit and have the revelation linger right. in you. You know, like it has it. Let it like sort of gestate in because your
3: brain also, before. It's also timed perfectly, right? It ends yeah. right before Wazukyan basically admits, "Yes, I made the babies." Into right, and
2: I mean that's period. how the chapter like... manga chapters are yeah. also divided. Yeah, it's like when you have yes so much more time between. I wonder if that affects.
1: I do wonder. I, th- I I think that does have an effect, and I guess this is why. And, and again, I don't think there is necessarily an objective like, well, this is right, the best right, way to yeah, tell a story not. or pace it out. But I do think that like, I think this is definitely one of those good reminders in general that yes, the the pacing of a story can have a tremendous impact on how it is received by its by its uh just how a story is
3: presented to its audience. Right.
1: Yes. Right. So I think that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we need we need Who to. Who like some 40
3: <laughs> vampire
1: girls? Yeah, cause... let's have a let's have a, pa-
0: let's have a palate cleanser here and uh, talk about Call of the Night.
1: Uh, Speaking of calling it, boom. I called it. I t- I'm telling you, man. Yeah. Anytime you got vampires in a work, it's a rule. More vampires are gonna show up. Yeah.
0: So they they do uh you know now that we've hit the halfway point they decided to throw some gasoline on the fire here and. uh... We are introduced to the Council of Hot Lady Vampires that are governing vampire activity in the city.
3: Oh, I love um, Castlevania season three.
0: Yeah, they've been they've been watching. Uh, so, so the main the main kid. I've I never actually. I don't think I've ever actually mentioned their names, but now I need to be specific. So, Coconuts. main kid his his name is Ko, and the yeah. the main vampire girl is Nazina, right? And they've been observing their what whatever they're doing. Because uh, you know Nazena needs to follow the the guidelines of you know the vampire rules, right? And once they decide, it does not appear she's making any effort to actually turn him into a vampire. Uh, they're like, well, he knows too much. We have to kill him. So they attempt to kill the main kid, <laughs> which just leads to some vampire fighting. And uh, they 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 take him away and ask him some questions, and he has to explain to the Council of Hot Vampire Ladies, that uh, he is, in fact, trying to turn into a vampire. And they clear up the misunderstanding. But the uh, the interesting things to come out of this... Uh, for, for one, uh, you know, they kind of flip the script with Nazuna, who, up to this point, has been sort of, like, the cool older lady. Like, yeah. like she's the mature, drinking beer and making dirty jokes, uh, you know... She's and the it, one with all the co- she's the she's the confident one in charge right. of all the situations and, and it everything. turns out
3: that in vampire society she ain't shit. Like Yes. Yeah.
0: And in vampire society classic She's very similar she's kind of similar to Co in that she has been shirking her vampire responsibilities to do whatever the hell she wants. And they're like, No, your job is to turn more people into vampires and you have to do that.
1: Man, is this is this the ultimate red pill, no matter how high up in the hierarchy you go? No matter who you become, <laughs> oh, human, vampire, you're all just a wage Dang. slave in the
0: end. Well, um, Down they, they do let they do let them off when they determine it's close enough. In that, uh, this kid is determined to be turned into a vampire, and while Nazina is not actively helping him do so, he's she's not she's like whatever kid. I'll just keep drinking your blood. So they're like, all right, fine, that's good enough. But the the other rule that they have to the completely arbitrary rule that they have to throw in here to escalate things is that he must be uh-huh. he must be turned within one year, or they or they will kill him right, if he right. is not turned within that time period. Because he's like, oh, I don't know, man. He's like, I've got years to that's... figure this out, and they're like, you have one year, and starting from when she started drinking your blood. So who knows how long they've already been hanging out? Yeah, and, uh...
1: I mean that just feels like weirdly arbitrary stakes to introduce yes. into your rom, not even rom com, your whatever this show is.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a rom-com at the end of the day. But, sure. uh, yeah, they... Uh, so, you know... They throw that in there to ratchet up the tension a bit. And so, is like, well, I guess I better figure this out. And,
1: uh... I mean, what Co should do is, is cite the Baccano <laughs> argument. That it's not mm. a good idea to turn me into a vampire when I'm only biologically 15. Because then... Uh-huh. How am I going to get cigarettes and booze right. for oh, true. the rest of eternity?
0: Yeah, they should wait until he's uh, you know, old enough to yes. get cigarettes and booze. But yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, it, I, 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 I'm i kind of rolling through this like I'm being dismissive, but I think it actually works pretty good. Um, sure.
1: I mean, it sounds like it's shaking up the formula, which, I mean, you were kind of speaking to of, of like, the show is kind of settling into a very specific, yeah. like, and I, I think
0: it was. I think it was a. Uh, you know, as even though it's a bit arbitrary, I think it was kind of a a, a needed shakeup that's pretty effective. I mean, it helps to set uh, a clear
3: boundary when your show risks getting too complacent, right?
4: Yeah. When you like, and, uh, start
3: getting the feeling of like this is going nowhere, and then all of a sudden, okay, you have a year or else you die. Like.
0: Yeah. So he he's um. So he immediately tries to speed things up this was actually like this was actually a pretty good sequence that i think is a a good indicator of like the the show's level of um i they they, I, they know they definitely know what they're doing with the relationship stuff like it's very intentional but the the um he decides all right well, i guess let's go on a date let's get this going right and so he gets some pointers from one of the other vampires on, you know, what to, what to do with a with a girl on a date, which is like the most stereotypical, let's go to the movies, right. and then we'll go get coffee and talk so, about the movie, and then so we'll does go... does
3: he need to fall in love with her, or does she need yes. to fall in love with him? The
0: rule is he has to fall in love with her, and then if he is in love... At, at any point when he is in love with her and she drinks his blood, he will theoretically turn into a vampire. Okay. That's how it's supposed to work. So... So far, that has not happened, and while he is certainly has a certain fascination with her, I guess he does not technically <laughs> love her yet. So um, the so he's like, let's go on a date, and she's like, he's like, y- do you know me? Like, I hate all of this stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want to do any of this. I but she's like, all right. <laughs> yes, I want to play. I want to play Street Fighter Alpha on my PS One. Uh, so. But she's like, all right, fine, I'll play along. And, you know, she kind of it goes along. It goes along, and it's just going absolutely terrible. And she just like finally bails. And he's like, I don't understand any of this. How does this even work? And so she eventually comes back, and she's like, well, you know. Let, it's basically like let's do what we always do, and she she even brings up the the question of like what do you think a date is like? We've basically been dating this whole time, and I'm like, okay, yep, they know what they're they know what they're doing, right? The, and, and wait until thought, this guy would,
3: figures out what being in a relationship actually yeah, is. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I, I find it funny because a lot of times with anime romantic comedies, you know, we make that statement of well, they're practically dating already anyway, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, you know see the entire cast of uh, Nozaki-kun right like, i
3: mean it is kind of weird to to have at the premise like he needs to fall in love with her because it's like yeah is that quantifiable like
0: well that i think that's also one of the things they're going for is like right, how do you even like right. quantify what mm-hmm. that means right um but yeah so we had that and then the other notable thing is they introduce another guy fr- from school that I think what they're going to do where they're going with this is I think he's going to be the foil character that actually does fall in love with a vampire and get turned into a vampire.
3: Like immediately. Um, like
0: maybe. Yeah. Like none of that, none of that has happened yet, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's probably where they're going. Cause they like imply that there's some girl that has caught his attention, but she can only hang out at night. I'm like, okay, well that's a vampire. right? And, and because he is a bit more, um, I don't want to. I I'm not going to say normal, mm-hmm. but it's th- not as convention- wishy-washy
3: and navel gazy as the main character.
0: Oh, well, the main the main guy. I wouldn't describe him as that either. He just he he doesn't understand what love is. Right, he's actually. Right, right. I think I talked about last time. He's actually not wishy-washy at all. Like okay, he, okay. he's he's very like um like, like as soon as as soon as he yeah as soon as he makes up his mind he's like I'm taking action immediately. Right. And that's
2: why but he's just he, like, that's why he gets into bad situations.
4: Like. <laughs> right,
0: yeah, that, that's how he ended up, you know, quitting school and hanging out with a vampire lady all night. But um, is that a bad decision? I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so he he he's he's a more conventionally, uh, mm-hmm. the well-adjusted me- <laughs> member of society. He's not even he's no like he's actually not like the goofy friend. Oh, he's okay. like everybody. He's actually like everybody. Like he's actually like popular and everybody likes it. Right. He's
3: like okay, cool. yeah, sure. Okay, he's that kind so, of guy. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. And and I and I but but yeah, I think I so I think he's gonna be like the, the the template for him to look at as like the foil character here of oh this is how you know it could go and you know, we'll see what yeah. if I'm actually right on that. But yeah, overall I like I, I actually like these two episodes. I think they appropriately turned up the tension. And I do think the, the relationship between the main two characters, which is the most important part of the show, um, has been pretty good. And I, I think I'm still I'm still holding off and saying this is a good show and you should watch it because of a lot of the other external factors I've talked about, um, you know, in other episodes. But I think the core of it, I'll say the core of it is good, which is the important part. I, me, I, show, I've come around where I'm actually I I, I am actually enjoying it. Like I'd yeah. want to be clear. Like I am actually enjoying watching the show.
3: So to me, the show. just seems like the author took a good look at his like first work, the Gashi and he's like, okay, what do people like about this, and what should I change? Yeah. And and, and 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 made something out of that that is more engaging. I guess. What like what would you say about this? Is this better or worse than the Gashi Gashi?
0: it's 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 different um dagashi kashi so i think the big the key difference like i would draw the i would draw the parallel with the in, in dagashi kashi with with the main kid and the the weird candy girl yes they do have kind of a similar relationship where she's sort of the magical girlfriend right
1: mm-hmm. but Madagascar,
0: beyond that i wouldn't like, yeah beyond that mm-hmm. i i don't think it's really that similar because um in Call of the Night, they actually have a relationship,
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> whereas in Kashi, like, you know, they had a, they didn't really have a meaningful relationship. Right, in that show, she just show. did
3: wacky things, and he was there, like... right? And and
0: he was fascinated by this this pretty girl that was doing these weird things and was obsessed with candy. Where whereas in Call of the Night, they actually do have a relationship where they you know talk to each other and discuss their feelings and things. So I I think that's the big. Yeah. Difference and so I, I could I could see that as uh, as an evolution of that story, but even like the mood and everything, that you can see similarities, but they are, I would still say they're they're pretty different. Right, um, but like
3: the core of like magical girlfriend, manic pixie dream girl sort of thing that was just sort of like that right. seems similar.
0: Yeah that that part yeah. that part is similar, and I think you know they're probably handling that better. Yeah. I think in Kashi, like it wasn't as important in Gashi because you had like other characters and other things going on where it's called the night. Like this is the focus of the show, like every <laughs> episode and they're, they're doing a better job with it, which is good. So. Yeah. All right.
3: Uh-huh. Speaking of manic big C dream girls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the hot mess that is like chorus recoil Um, Sure, uh, continues to do whatever the hell it wants, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, You know, yeah.
0: We had was it was it episode eight was like, I must admit, comedy gold for most of the episodes. Yeah, episode eight
2: was. (laughs) Yeah, I, 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 I,
1: it's it's one of those things of like you could say a lot of things about this show, but you can't deny that it's it's well made. And uh... it turns out that if you throw enough money at a thing, right.
2: Yeah, it'll be pretty charming and funny. First half of episode eight is Takina, the one with the stick up her ass, is like, "Well, the cafe is getting into the red. We gotta cut our budgets, shoot less bullets, do better right. cafe stuff, and right, you know, make, like we gotta, we gotta sa- save our our yens." And
1: yes, we got we got we got to make a new mm-hmm. dish. You know, we gotta blow it up on social yeah. media.
2: <laughs> we gotta we gotta we also have to invest yeah, in the stock this market. Just wacky. 10, 12-minute montage, rapid-fire montage of, like, all of their dumb schemes to and just, save like, slash make money, and... Immaculately produced comedy bits. Yeah. Uh, yes.
0: Some great it's, anime uh, faces and reactions, and mm-hmm. just, like, very funny, very good.
1: No, totally. It very much is. And it's, you know, I, th- I think in a lot of ways, right, this is another one of those episodes where, at least to me, I go, oh, like... If this had been like episode four or something, right. and like set the tone for like chorus recoil, I don't know if we would still be like so like befuddled by what kind of show mm. this show wants to be. Right. And then arguably episode nine comes along, and It's like, no, we're still also going to do that stuff too. And it's like, okay, so you really just can't decide. Yeah, well, we're going to have what kind of show this? We have half
0: an episode of comedy and like half an episode of like conspiracy thriller, and uh, you know. Yeah.
1: You're, we're not going to make any effort to really blend the two together. <laughs> nope. And now let's also throw in a nice heaping dash of confronting your mortality. Ah, yes. Well, <laughs>
0: yeah, episode eight ends with um, you know, Chisa- Chisato
2: getting captured right by the... Uh,
1: not even or, like she just.
2: Or, they've been setting this. Of, they've been setting this trap up for like weeks, and she and hasn't worked. Like, hasn't happened because she hasn't tripped it yet. Right, because she keeps putting off her fucking like medical appointment. Right, <laughs>
0: and uh, she finally goes in, and um, we find out that uh, f- we found out a lot of things. But first of all, her her artificial heart gets essentially disabled. Right. Yes. And. Going into episode nine, we get a little more of her backstory that uh, not only does she have an artificial heart, but uh, apparently you know, it's a she, super she, well, she magic, has one.
2: super special artificial heart that nobody can, nobody else can right. make. Only the and it special charged.
0: It has to be recharged regularly, which they cannot do anymore after the events of episode eight. And, uh, you know, she has the heart in the first place because she has anime heart disease. And uh-huh. yep. You know, even if she, you know, you know, the, the, even if she had the heart, it would it, uh-huh. it would only last. But the, a certain... the
2: weird Allen Institute just has to cultivate her super duper special skill of shooting people, and so they gave her right. this mega artificial heart, apparently to that keep no one else can make. Longer, because our institute to has to cultivate as many supernatural gifts as we can, even if those supernatural yes. gifts are shooting people. And... Just...
0: We figure, let's let her kill as many people as possible until uh, her heart runs
1: out, and right. I guess. But then, of course, the the wrinkle in the plan, of course, is that they gave her the heart, and what this does instead is inspire Chisato to become the Mega Genki humanist gunslinger, mm-hmm. right? That she became, you know, with a with a strict no killing rule, and and I, I guess is the. Uh... So, were they
0: basically, is it basically like, because she wasn't killing, they're like, well, pull the plug? Like, is that... That's the vibe
2: I got. It
1: kind of feels like what it is. The vibe I don't, I don't I think they ever explicitly that... say that,
0: but that's what I feel like the implication was.
1: Yeah, well, for me, I'm of two minds. It is either just simply that, or what it really is, is that Mr. Yoshi has decided to finally
2: use the heart right. he'll, he'll say, if right. you don't, like, if you start killing people like we want, we'll give you a, uh, a working one. Right.
1: Um. Yes, exactly. Like, that's sort of what it feels like. It's basically holding her future hostage, right? Is like, because the the whole idea, right, is that in Mr. Yoshi's, like, perception, Chisato in some ways is a failure of her true potential, right? Like, she could become the ultimate John Wick-style assassin if she just merely embraced, you know, taking people's lives. Right. And that by disabling her heart and dangling that future in front of her, that perhaps he can finally get her in line.
0: Yeah. yeah. That That's probably the bigger-brained play there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, although the wrinkle in that is now going to be that at the end of episode 9, Majima kidnaps Mr. Yoshi. But what if her right? heart so...
2: had a battery that constantly ran out, and the only way to fill the battery was the adrenaline rush of taking a life?
4: <laughs> <laughs> so the more yeah, so she kills... What do we just kills, go full crank with this? The more this. fill up the
2: battery. But also, the more she kills the less of a rush it gives her the less the bar so fills to kill up even more yeah she just to kill yeah,
0: more well i don't i don't think we've quite gotten to that point yeah, yet okay. but it might as well be that ridiculous right? Um, right what what's ridiculous i guess we should what's ridiculous to me Sorry. is like my theory was that that was not her only robot part and like that that's why she can dodge right. bullets I and stuff. I'm like no, right? We no, she could just dodge. We were... <laughs> she could just dodge bullets. That has nothing to do with. I mean, yeah.
1: <laughs> let it be said. This is the second character uh, in an anime this year in which we looked at them and said, "Is she a cyborg?" <laughs> right. Like, I think we are. St- you know, look. I think we still all have our fingers crossed that come next year when Birdie Wing God, comes back. I hope so. That like. You know, Eve gets into an accident and, like, her skin gets ripped off, and there's robot yeah, parts. Yeah. Underneath I, I still it think something. there's, like,
0: a like a 55% chance yeah. that happens, but yes. There's, like, a 55%
1: of, chance that both of them are robots in Birdie. We cannot talk about Birdie. Yes. <laughs> also. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yes. We can't talk. Okay. But I, I will say, I will say, we, we should. I, I will want to just point out, like, okay, back at episode 8, there is sort of a good moment where Majima confronts um, Chisato at her right. safe house. Right. And. At first, you're like, oh, really? We're doing this shit again. And then they just go look at, like, freaking, like... Movies. Die Hard and Equilibrium. Right. And then just start talking about freaking early 2000s or 90s action mm. movies. For yeah. A bitch, which uh, I could appreciate. Also, I guess we should also point out, just because... Can't get around of it, you know? Just the joke that... The dish that Takina invented just looks like, like a, a blood Yes, poop. that was a very good...
0: Like, that was a very good joke. Uh, Look,
1: toilet humor is childish, uh-huh. but also very effective. <laughs> yeah, it it just looks like a poop, which yeah. is pretty funny. Uh,
0: <laughs> and she de- and, well, it's funny because like she doesn't realize it, and then um, everyone the else girl, does. Like, and that's why it the goes hacker viral. girl makes it go viral. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. right. And she doesn't realize Hack why the Twitter algorithm.
4: Working.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I will. I will also say it here because I think it's very funny if it's true. There is a. There is enough credible evidence that Chisato and Takida's... Color schemes of their uniforms might be directly inspired by the Bandai Namco game Ace Combat Zero. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Did
0: you see the? Did you see the thing where when they were showing the social media posts, the names were supposed to be from like Ace Combat Four or something?
2: Oh man. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So oh, there's right. that too. Okay. Yes, I think yeah. the Belkins. But ready? The, the that's <laughs> the fucking Belkins are behind the Those fucking assholes. Yes, and so which.
1: Look, I've had my criticisms of like chorus recoil, but if the people working on this anime are Ace Combat fans, all oh, goes out the window. <laughs> I, I kind of have to be a lot more forgiving of them now because if you told me like chorus recoil took place in the oh, strange real, actually,
2: I might believe. Oh, oh this
0: you. all makes sense now, right? <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: Jesus.
0: Well, <sighs> um, what Kingdom of Aruja? Uh, what
2: what Clavore on the Ozian Federation? Yeah.
0: What? <laughs> one, one last thing I'll throw in. I'll I, I will continue to uh, give, like, "horse recoil," credit for having uh, two adult gay men who are not a joke in the show, but also (laughs) that they kind of, uh, they kind of, uh, you know, undermine all that by having Takina and Shisato go on a date and nothing happens. Right, you know. Before we move on, I have a huge tip on my shoulder about this,
3: Um, and like Like a lot of people, the
2: queer biting specifically.
3: No, because a lot of people on the. Who are like, oh, why aren't Western critics talking about the beautiful relationship between Shisato and Takina? What and I'll tell you the reason. The, the reason is yeah, because no. it fucking sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> Well, okay. The, I do like their dynamics. I I do like, 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 dynamics, like, yeah. I do like I mean, I, would not so I wish I know. agreed with you, it it but the thing you. is.
3: I do not like this relationship dynamic where it is like character a meets character b character a for some reason decides that they are super into character b even though character b is nothing but a jerk to them and then continues to shower character b with all sorts of affection until character b somehow comes around and is like yeah i guess i like you too and then we call that a romance and it's like
0: yeah, if, if you don't at like romance, that. it's disappointing. Uh, I I do kind of like their like, it's the again, it's the kicking each other in the OP thing, right? Like I, I do kind of like that. But the... I mean
1: it's it's the thing of this is this is what I mean when I say like Horus Recoil has purchased its charm, <laughs> right. Right. Is like if you look at the actual bones of Chisato and Takino's relationship, there's actually not that much there. But when you look at it from the perspective of like how they're animated right, and what right, the director right. has done so, yes. in depicting them. Right. A lot of it it is because if you look at the bones, it is just
3: one sided, you know. It is just Chisato showers Takina in affection for no reason other than because the plot says she has to. Like,
2: the thing, like, this is how how do I put this? A lot of, let's say, people learning or teaching writing talk about, for instance, how. You know, like, narratively, a buddy cop show and a romance are, are, are the same. because They follow the same beats. But, like, in reality, the nuance between the two is very different. And mm-hmm, I think right, that's right. sort of what we're getting at here, is that... <laughs> anyone calling yeah. it, like, a <laughs> We've watched so much anime. We've all watched so much anime at this point, that's like... Yes, we, we have see, watched we too see much this anime. stuff and we, like, roll our eyes because we know... We kind of know in our bones no. that like this is just how they do it sometimes, and it's dumb, and it's yeah. just how they do it, and we know not to expect anything of it. And but then you have right. people who are like maybe less experienced with anime who see something like this and are like, "Wow, no one's talking about this is a, like great relationship." I mean, I think you know there, there's there's
1: another phrase there's another uh, um, phrase that I've heard to describe this mm. phenomenon, and. It, it mostly comes up in in the discourse of, like, marginalized representation. scraps <laughs> so like a feast. And it is, yes, yeah, treating crumbs yeah. like a mm-hmm. feast. Right. Right. It's like, oh, wow. I mean, I think the most emblematic of this years ago was Yuri on Ice,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: right? It's like, oh, wow, these guys are kind of holding each other a right. little well, bit. Right. Like, wow, I will say great. Yuri on Ice, defense,
2: like, <laughs> there were plenty of interviews with Sayo Yamamoto right. where she was like, I wanted to go harder and they didn't let me. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, I know,
1: but, uh, but uh, yes, yes. And to- that, sure. I respect mm-hmm. her intention, but we're talking yeah, about course. the work yes. itself. I agree. Like, you know, th- that is the show that is emblematic mm-hmm. of that to me, and I think that for better or worse, I think, I mean, okay, the real joke is that all these people who are like, "Wow, uh, uh, like chorus recoil! Look at the look at these gay girls go." Y'all need to be watching <laughs> Yeah, <as> well. That's <laughs> what I want to say here. Yeah,
0: it, com- it, it, it always comes back to Birdie Wing, but, uh...
1: Get you a girlfriend who will say, I'll kill <laughs> All you in right, uh... Golf. <laughs> the fact that we're yeah. circling
2: back around to Birdie Wing is like... <laughs> but, what if, um... if E <laughs> had a
3: cockney <laughs> accent?
1: Fuck
2: yeah. You joke, but I legitimately do think th- these yes, two no, shows... Correct. are correct.
1: Despite the hilarious disparity in the budgets of the two... Right are of the same or similar similar right <laughs> way you know, yeah,
2: despite all of the money in like horse recall i think i think uh could the, the queer braiding and birdie wing uh had more concrete results than anything we've seen in like, horse so far so well, yes right. of course <laughs> <laughs> and
3: this is somehow less like Banal. <laughs> right. but,
1: but yeah, I guess you know. I guess if we wanted to just like wrap it up here on like chorus recoil, I think, I think, I think the story of the show will continue to be that for better or worse, it's it, it is eminently enjoyable in specific areas, but I, I feel like once again, it's sort of it's it's gun shyness about um, committing committing to a tone. Yeah. I think at this point we probably have to accept is going to follow it all the way to the end oh absolutely
0: right? yeah I'm, I'm not expecting like, any surprises now at this point which maybe is why I'm starting to enjoy it a bit more as I shut my brain off we're just more. accepting it for what it is but, right. Um, you know it doesn't mean anything has changed or anything mm-hmm. it's just my perspective yeah. is almost fully shifted over now to where my expectations are in an appropriate place uh-huh.
2: on the floor uh, oh, yeah.
0: but yeah we'll see um, is not actually going to die right no, she'll mm-hmm. be fine. Oh, there's no way.
1: I would be amazed if the show has the balls. We'd to eat kill her for her season now. two. Ugh, yeah.
2: Hideo Kojima is
1: like La recoil. <laughs> yeah. <local laughs> yeah. <local>. Uh.
2: yeah. <laughs> yes, like Horace
1: Recoil, endorsed by yeah, one yeah. Hideo Kojima. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. Uh a, when, when a he starts Paragon
3: of Good Tastes. When he when
0: he starts his new podcast, what are the odds that he's gonna start by Non Zero Horus Recoil? Yeah
1: damn he's gonna put us out of business
0: yeah yeah if Kojima gets into the podcasting business we're in trouble yeah but, uh, yeah <laughs> all right well um we do have our our, our backlog Sorry, shows. this
1: is what you get y'all y'all took too long and now you now you have to live with the the gun the Tomino power hour at the very end again yeah oh, baby. so
0: um I, I did not get to watch Thunderbolt Fantasy, so we nixed that for now, oh but, uh, this is, this is... yes.
2: Going long you, today, you guys folks, I it, guess. You, hey, you
0: I got to it. scream about kids' shows for an hour, now you
4: guys <laughs> get, get to scream about kids', kids, shows, kids shows for an hour. hour. Yeah.
0: So, uh, we, we've got Zabungle, Dunbine, and uh, Gaim here. Yeah, you guys Zabungle,
1: to, uh... we have... So, thankfully, yeah. I will say, I'm not sure why, but we only watched three episodes of each this time around. Okay. Which means that, to be fair, we will also have less to talk about, thankfully. But uh, yeah, yeah. Eero, yeah, you want I mean, you want to start with Zabungle?
2: F- if I can remember, what episodes we watched it was nineteen eleven. All right. So the
1: the probably the one episode of the three we watched this week for Zabungle uh, is probably the first of the three in which it is the crew of the Iron Gear right? meet a young woman <laughs> named Maria. Yes. Who it's a pacifist? Uh, and and this is maybe the episode that has you go. Oh, this is where like Amaishi got his entire sense of humor from.
2: Yes, they meet uh, Maria, a you know lovely uh, desert flower, taking care of orphans next to an is oasis. She comically poor though. She lives in a she lives on her little small farm out in the desert, raises vegetables, and is a pacifist. You know, she tries to sell vegetables. Nobody wants to buy her vegetables because we're a hard-drinking, shooting society. Goons come by to knock over her carts and steal her vegetables. And she's just, oh, fighting's bad. And those guys really do need to eat their vegetables. So it's okay that they're stealing my vegetables. And the crew of the Iron Gear rolls in and meets Maria and sort of stops the goons from kidnapping her and such and are like why don't you just shoot those dudes and maria says <laughs> fighting bad pacifism good please don't fight and the best the
1: best part about this is that the character who is primarily questioning maria's like moral stance is chill <laughs> it's
2: who like is a five-year-old child or something well,
1: a five-year-old child and a member of the bandits <laughs> Uh, who, by the way, I would say at this point in the show has a kill count, an on-screen kill count of four to seven.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the the, the child is and saying, Jill "Why don't you like, murder people?" Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, and this child, this five-year-old child, is like, "Why don't you just kill people who like right?" Wrong and you? she's
2: like, "Oh, you poor like, child, you why don't, don't you understand. Just shoot them? And Chills like, "I'm good, I'm I'm great." Yeah, Chills like, "I'm great. None of my None of my enemies are alive." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh huh. Yeah. And, and Maria's like, no, like, it's is, possible like... to live free from conflict. And Chill's like, no, it's not. Everyone's fighting over there. Yeah, look at this horrible crapsack world we live <laughs> it's in. So funny. And
1: the thing that makes it funny is that Maria is played straight, but that makes her even funnier because of the world Zabungle mm-hmm. is, right? Like. Like again, the the quick and dirty analogy I would use if you have not watched Zabungle is that Zabungle's world is like the first like seven episodes of Gurun Lagan, right? Right. It's like desert apocalypse ruled by bandits. Violence is the only way. Right. And it's just the the contrast of just just the, just the joke of introducing a character like Maria into the world of Zabungle is in and, in and
2: of itself funny.
1: And mm. then like. You throw in the antics
2: that actually right, happened during the, the Iron Guru is being chased by Gavlet Gablay, the miss who doesn't miss. Yes,
1: uh, this is where we now need to mention. Uh, Tomino <laughs> has a character named Gavlet Gablay in two entirely separate. Anime oh wait, I was going
2: to say he's not in this anime. No, right? Ga- this is Gavlet <laughs> no. Gablay, the miss who doesn't miss. A name okay. so yes. good we
1: used it twice. As opposed to Gavlet
4: yeah, Gablay, yes. the coming, coming man. man.
0: Yeah. Yes.
2: yes. <laughs>
1: Gavlin Gavley, the miss who doesn't miss, is sort of a Doronjo gang style, like female uh, warlord. Okay. You know, she's got a cat, you know. It's the it's 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 the classic archetype of oh, mm-hmm. she's like an older woman and is very gets very mad when people know, point out her she age. Says it's Miss Gavlin. You know, she insists that they call Yes, yes, call me Miss Gavlin. Uh-huh. You know? Um that sort of character, right? And and anyways, like there's some great moments in this fight, like oh, yeah, uh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, again, like the whole, that, like actually. all of, like, <laughs> yes. like Zabungle being a mecha slapstick really works in its favor sometimes because like there's a good bit in this fight where like Jiron in the Zabungle needs to stop this like land battleship from firing all of its cannons. So he's like fucking Goomba stomping on the barrels of these battleship yeah. cannons. Swinging uh, on them and kicking And like them there's a great, like... yeah, there's a great one where he like he swings on one like, it's a freaking platformer, like, swinging bar. And uses his momentum to kick out the barrel of a second cannon before he falls over. And it's like, there's, there's like a physicality to, there, to it that's, it's just, it's just emblematic of, like, Tomino's talents as a director. Yeah. And then uh... um, But yeah, anyways, the episode is especially funny because it, okay, we can't get into it. But during the same week we watched this episode... Uh, we watched episode five of season two of Primal, which was titled "The Primal Theory." Yeah, but uh... Uh, I will not get into the details of the Primal Theory. But I'll just say that the episode of that cartoon was about mankind's like inherent violent nature and how, when pushed to the edge, mankind will always
2: devolve right. into its violent so, tendencies. You know, at some point, in this battle. Gav- Gavlet Gabley, the Miss Who Doesn't Miss, ends up, you know, on the ground next to Maria, and she's like, oh, you- it's you! Like, You're that girl has been causing problems! I'm gonna get you!" and then I'll get those Iron Gear kids! And Maria picks up a rock and smashes Gavlet in the head after espousing <laughs> pacifism. She's like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> to which ear and I start hooting like monkeys and shouting,
1: the primal theory! Ah... Uh. Uh. But uh, anyways, Excellent. Uh, the rest of the episodes are, are fine. The the last of the three, Jiron uh, and Tim Sharon, the man who killed his parents, get into a really hilariously stupid fight. Both losers uh, they get into like... a one-on-one duel that I think is emblematic of Zabungle's best qualities, which is just like, even the villains are also dipshits. Yeah, definitely. And like, you know... We're going long, so I will not describe the play-by-play of the fight. But just think of it. It's it's very, like, Jackie Chan-inspired choreography of, like, two guys in robots constantly fucking up and, like, falling over Great. while trying to kill each other. And it just works really well. It, it, it makes for a very entertaining yeah. uh, setup. You know? Uh, Sounds fun. Like, like, the one thing I'll mention is that, like, there's a point in the fight where the two fall out of their own mechs. <laughs> yeah. And then quickly scramble into their rival's mech. Okay. To which it is revealed that neither has any fucking clue how to pilot their rival's <laughs> right, mech. Right, right. That's what I figured. Great.
4: <laughs>
1: it's just... <laughs> And so they eventually get out again and beat each other with sticks before scrambling back into their original mech. It's 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 very yeah. it's very well done. Uh, very good. Um yeah. yeah, as for Dunbine, um Dunbine continues to be the story mm-hmm, of failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of failure, um, yeah. In these last three episodes, they have still not really achieved any of their stated yep, goals. They've
2: s- screwed up every single episode. I think my yes, possibly um, like my favorite version of this is they spend a whole episode because they have their little fairy buddy and they're like, Chamfau, won't the Mi Ferrario fairies help us in this against this war of conquest? And she's like, probably not. You shouldn't go there. And they say... We're gonna go to the land of the Fae and ask the fairies to help us because they use their magic to drag us here from Earth. They gotta do something. They spend like 15 minutes of this episode. Bust, like piling through like dimensional barriers and storms and whatever other magic shit the fairies all have to protect their realm. Finally get through and are like go to the, go to the queen of the fairies or whatever. And are like please don't don't you have any responsibility in this? Won't you help us? And she, Fuck no! And she's just like, no, get out. And magically transports <laughs> them out. <laughs> oh, it's like it's so emblematic
1: of Dunbine's whole vibe. Just the characters try to do something for the first 15 minutes and then it fails for one reason or another. Yeah, just But uh yeah, the rest of the episodes are kind of like that, you know, it's just it, it's it's continuing the fight against Drake mm. Luft. you know. Um it's it kind of feels like a Fire Emblem campaign that's going really badly. <laughs> um yeah. There is one thing that happens in the second of these three episodes we watched, which is maybe the Raw's depiction of military action against civilians that <laughs> was probably acceptable in 1984. Mm. Uh like there is a... Like, like basically, Drake Loof, the baddies' forces, are, like... I mean, the implication is that they are raping and pillaging this, like... The settlement, you know? Doing what soldiers in the medieval times did, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, cutting down civilians, dragging women into the streets, that sort of thing. And it all culminates in a section where, like... This woman is running with her, like, infant child bundled up with her. And a dude just seemingly spears the baby. Oh, God. Throws a spear, like, right? straight up on... Yeah. And it's only revealed the last second that the spear just barely, like, missed the baby. Yeah, in the then he goes, yeah. is, <laughs> on my spe- the edi- is my
2: aim good?
0: Did the editor, uh, cut that one last second or something?
1: But there is definitely an element of Tomino is like, and because it's Tomino, right? You sort of, like, you're ready for it because you have experience with who he is as a director. And so there is, like, a solid two to five seconds where me and Iroh are like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 did he? Oh. And, so know, like, just, no, like, stop. Oh, my God. Did he just kill a baby on screen? Yeah.
0: Too many babies dying in this, uh, in this podcast. Yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> no, what about babies? <laughs>
2: <got> babies? Uh. <laughs> but, um... <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's Dunbine. I don't know, man. Like, I I don't want to hate. Dunbine's got some good stuff going on. They're, they do do the joke again of Chamfau is a bird that doesn't yes. know what glass is, and crashes into the canopy of a ship again. But you know, Dunbine is Dunbine. You know. Um, as for Elgime, oh Elgime, <laughs> where does one even start oh with heavy goodness. metal Elgime?
2: Where do we start with guy? Kind of wild things well, happen because uh... they, they've sort of joined up with Stella Coban's the resistance. resistance. Um, great little bit, I don't remember which episode this is in, but they're talking to Stella Coban, leader of the resistance. And they're like, so how'd you get started in the, the rebels' business? And he's like, I used to be a nobleman, and now that Emperor Poseidon controls everything, I'm not a nobleman mm-hmm. anymore. And I miss being rich and important, so I started a rebel. his literal <laughs> motiva- yes his
1: literal mova- motivation for leading the resistance is that he wants to be the one wearing the boot right interesting um but uh yeah so I guess I don't right. know gaha lessie the like um the 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 lady. Uh, yeah. the lady a military officer from the baddies you know finally joins uh the uh-huh. heroes after being disgraced by uh you know her military. It very much is a very like Tomino like it's very much a, it very much feels like for better or worse a classic Tomino woman moment sort of thing of like Gaha Lesi is briefly embarrassed and thus decides to just defect <laughs> from the military she has served for most of her life. She's like man I don't go- just those, like those ah, guys how dare you jerks. embarrass me.
2: Those guys are such jerks all completely turn um, coat.
1: Uh, yeah, but it is not the first, nor will it be the last time in Tomino's directing history in which a character uh, is slighted for a it's... minor reason and decides
2: to completely, radically shift their worldview. Um, Gavli Gabli is still all coming after him yeah, every I week. This... Gavli the coming man. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yes, Gavli Gabli sort of reveals in these three episodes that he's actually pretty clever for being the kind of foppish noble dipshit mm-hmm. that he is. Like, he sets up some legitimately good traps against Daba, and it's like... It's actually kind of fun, because on one hand, you look at Gable Gable, and you're like, all right, what are you up to this time? Mm-hmm. But then a couple of times, he actually gets one up on Daba My Road in a way that makes you go, huh. Yeah. All right, he's not all... He's not maybe all maybe Gable Gable, Gable has he,
2: something to... Gable Gable the coming man has something to him, not to be confused with Gavla Gabla, the miss who doesn't miss.
1: Yes. Um... Other than that, I feel like the theme of these three episodes is just, like, now that Gaha Lisi has joined the crew, they're very much leaning into the love triangle of both Lisi and Amu, the other uh, female character, are constantly uh-huh. uh, vying uh-huh. for Daba's attention. And they're sort of leaning into the slapstick element of, like... <sighs> I guess... I was gonna say one is the Betty and the other is the Veronica, but... Not even, You can make don't a pretty know. good yeah. argument... That they are both <laughs> Veronica. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, it's basically like they're getting into these increasingly petty spats to earn, um, Daba's attention. And the joke is mostly that Amu's, like, attempts to, stort- to, to earn Daba's attention are getting increasingly petty and stupid and thus less successful. And Lisi is the Luigi in the Mario <laughs> Party situation of all she has to do is stand still <laughs> and she's kind of winning this love because triangle Amu by default just keeps doing some Amu, scheme
2: that fucks up, right?
1: Yes, that self-sabotages either her or the entire group. Like, the last of the three episodes could basically be summarized as everything is Amu's fault. Uh, which, uh... You know, don't even get into it, but basically, it's just, it's just a sequence of schemes, one after the other, constantly failing
2: because. Um, goes, does, decides to do something and then gets captured or something like that.
1: Yes, uh, yes. It's, also, it's, it,
2: like, but... they join the Noble Rebels after going through that whole ass thing to bring Amandra Commandra his stupid cash card. And then the, their first mission with the Nobles <laughs> is hey, go pick up the weapons for us at Amander Commandra's place. So they have to go to Amanda (laughs) Commandra, and he's like, I'm sure an arms dealer is on to both sides. And they're just like, oh, fuck you, Amanda Commandra. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, Amanda Commandra seemed to be very forgiving of
1: Daba Myra. Uh Yeah, he's like, oh, I like your gumption,
2: kid. Right, Uh, right. I remember that, yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah, just, just like, it's not as straight comedic as a bungle. way more than we but thought like right. El Guy is much more slapstick than we may have initially thought, you know. Again, we've mentioned before that, you know, for a show being worked on by Nagano, who is a very famously pretty self-serious uh mecha designer and writer uh still El Guy being as as funny as it is just continues to surprise and amuse and delight us, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean, is it still as chaotic as it was yeah. in the beginning, or is it? You
1: know? Oh yeah, okay. no. We we have we re- we've been re- recently introduced to I guess, who's probably Nemo be our Han. next big rival for a while. Is Name O'Han, who I can only describe as sort of a hair metal Amazon, She
0: looks they, like she, look look like she next... looks like she walked out of
2: Bubblegum Crisis.
0: Uh, oh, yes. excellent. Uh, do they still do the uh, next episode? Oh, yeah. uh, show the yep. character and yep. their name. Hasn't and been characters
2: uh, for a while, but the they've next... done areas and mechs. Okay.
1: Yes, they they always find something to introduce for the next episode. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Just that show continues mm-hmm. to be,
2: even though it's,
1: immensely chaotic, mm-hmm. but a very good. Even time though it's the second
2: Yes, no, no,
4: Gavlekavle
1: the second is is is
2: far far superior to. You Gable might say Gavlekavle missed so that Gabla could come.
0: All right, we need to end this.
2: Uh, well, there's our podcast title.
0: <laughs> we need to end this episode on that note.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> all right. Well, a bit of a long one here, but uh, thank you all for listening <laughs> at this point. Um, I'm glad we got it all in. Uh, and we can wrap up with our normal housekeeping, so you can uh, check us out at theglorioblog.com, follow us on Twitter at theglorioblog, Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher. Yeah, leave us a five star or whatever rating. The no, they no, five use, stars only. Uh, like, review
2: maximum, From, uh, maximum rating. Well,
0: I don't know. I don't know if they all use five stars or whatever. I know iTunes the highest does, rating possible. But, uh, whatever the highest rating possible is, and uh, of course you can check us out on YouTube. You can like, comment, subscribe, ring that notification bell. Leave us a comment and tell us. Uh, how good our opinions of anime on anime are, I don't know, but uh yeah, um, and uh, you know that'll do it. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, and we'll catch you next time.
3: All part of the protocol, in it.